When the crowd gets loud, that's a pop. When the crowd gets insane, that's a monster pop. Hi, I'm Reclaim Joey, your co-host, Twitch partner, former professional wrestler, and lifelong pro wrestling fan. I'm flanked by our co-hosts, the one and only hilarious Brose, Twitch streamer and a lifelong pro wrestling fan himself. Also, Dr. Destruction, PhD, legit doctor, straight up, not in school or anything, just <laughs> legit doctor, right here, and also a pro wrestling fan. How's it going, everybody? It's going it's been, good, dude. You know, we out here. We're vibing. We're thriving, dude. Here we go. <laughs> it's been a yeah. wild trip this week. <laughs> it's been a it's, it's been a week, man. It's been crazy. I understand you guys had like some storms over there where you guys live. Yeah, I had. We had like okay, so there was no snow. It like it like snowed for like a second, and then it was all rain and seventy mile per hour winds. So. That was fun. It unro- unrooted like a whole ass tree in my neighborhood. Took out six power lines. It was amazing. Oh damn! It Holy was great. Shit. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, here we got a bunch of snow, but it was it was pretty manageable. I did have a bunch of people that wanted to like you know kayfabe me in class and be like, oh yeah, you know I can't can't show up today. It's like the roads are paved, they're plowed. <laughs> we're good to go. Like, <laughs> let's yeah, just dude. get this out of the way. <laughs> It's yeah. just been a crazy, busy, dramatic-ass week. It really has been, bro. And, like, you know what's funny to me? Because, like, I have a homie who lives in, in, like, South Carolina, and the entire state closed for some ice on the road, dude. It was insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, some that, that's that normal. Just... That's so normal for us. Right, yeah. Like, they, they don't, don't have the equipment or infrastructure or anything to deal with that stuff down there. I mean, you should see what happens to us here in Texas, dude. Like, our our government completely shuts down everybody's power. Just like, they're like, ah, oh, it's too cold. You're using too much heat. So, we're going to shut everybody down. And it just gets really scary. People die. What it's real the sad. What hell? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> Look it up. Last year in Texas in like February, I guess it was February, January, February, something like that. It was crazy. Bro. But man, it hasn't only been a crazy week with us though. It's oh, been a crazy not. week in the world of professional wrestling, and that's oh, what boy. we're here to talk about. Holy crap, we've got a lot of well, a lot of stories to cover. We got some reviews to bring you. Uh, we're going to start off talking about some of these some of these stories. Um, there's some there's some crazy do- doozies, uh, especially the biggest one about Cody Rhodes uh, splitting from AEW, which is a big shock to everybody. Yeah, Cody was one of the four guys who was brought in at the start, um, was one of the executive vice presidents, and someone who definitely had a lot of sway over like the direction of the program and whatnot. Um, the story seems to be largely that he kind of was losing some of that sway, and maybe that seemed to be a major factor, and he wanted uh, maybe some more money to compensate for you know, the fact that he didn't have the book anymore. Um, and yeah, that seems to be... Uh, the story that's coming out of all of like the major uh, journals, right? I mean, there's the Wade Keller interview, which or podcast episode, which seemed to be a little uh, shakier. There's some things that were a little bit more controversial in there, but uh, Meltzer's kind of repeated some of the same things, and his uh, interview of Kenny also had some insights that kind of suggest, uh, you know, maybe there's certain things that Cody just generally wasn't happy about. I'm sure that there was a lot of like it probably wasn't anywhere near as dramatic as some of these reports sure, yeah. made it out to be, but he, um, yeah, like you said, he seemed pretty unhappy with uh, with what he was offered. But the thing is, Cody is going to go out there, and no matter what happens, he's always going to have that place. 
I guess he figured like maybe he can go out there and get more money. And no matter how WWE uses him, if say he's going to go, we don't know, know if he's going to go to WWE, but that's the word that he's going to go to WWE. And that's a really big get for WWE. And if he does go there, even if they treat him shitty, he's always going to be able to go back to AEW. I think he's always going to have a place there and he's always going to be able to make a decent paycheck there. So he's kind of in like a win-win situation here. But anybody that says like people would say that like, man, he's not that big of a star or people were starting to turn on him or something. The fact that this news is so huge shows how big of a deal he was and how big of a deal he is actually. Yeah, people people are going crazy over it. And like it's just it's whipping up more buzz for him, you know, like so when he does, if he does show up in WWE, he's, he's, he's going to be a. I was gonna say megastar. I don't know if I could say megastar, but he's gonna be he's gonna be a big deal, you know. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how he's even received by WWE. To be honest, because you know, there's that obviously that tribalism aspect, and we kind of alluded to that in a few previous episodes. But um, the main things with it, right, is like you know, there's the fact that he was one of the people who kind of created the opposition that has like really riled these fans up. And I mean, there was even a quote in the uh, Kenny interview where he said that when AEW first started. The most passionate person of our revolution, the most passionate person of creating the us versus them mentality was Cody. Cody was the guy who was really big into creating the AEW versus WWE dynamic. And it'll be interesting to see, like, do fans, like, hate him for, like, creating that alternative or opposition group? Or do they love him for betraying it? I'm really curious. I don't know if I'm that curious because I don't really want to watch WWE. But, like, I'm somewhat curious to see how he's necessarily received over there. Well, one thing I have to say is that I don't know how on the nose that is. Because, again, he hasn't betrayed anything yet. He hasn't gone anywhere. The word is he's going to WWE, but we don't know that yet. And even if he was, like, Kenny also said in that interview, he's like, I heard he's on a plane to Saudi Arabia. Mm. He wasn't. Yeah, I think he, he was, was at I home. Think that he was clearly joking about. But Was he? I think so. Because even, uh, th- even at the start of the interview, like, or not the, the exact start, but... Uh, Meltzer's like, oh, so like Monday's news, and he's like, oh yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like he's clearly kind of like being a little cool yeah. Of some of this, he but. he was he was, but like that kind of comment is really weird. And like, um, Cody was obviously not there, and he he posted that he was chilling on his Instagram and stuff like that. That he's at home, and uh, Tony Khan said that Cody's got something in the works that's coming up. Maybe it will come to fruition this week, and. I just don't think anybody really fucking knows what's going on. And it's, it's so I wouldn't jump any gun saying that Cody is betraying any kind of um, leading the charge of, of the revolution or whatever. And then who knows, who knows what's going to happen with Cody in WWE. Maybe he'll make a difference. You know, you can still be a part of uh, changing wrestling as a whole and leaving it better than where it was when you started um, there as well. You know, depending on what happens, I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but we don't know where he's going. We really just don't. But everybody, everybody is speculating. Um, I don't think Cody's stupid either. And I think that what he what he's gonna do is he's got really good ideas. I I, I have all the faith in the world, thinking that they're believing that he's going to make the right calls uh, with his career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say. Uh, sorry about that. I'll just I'll, real quick to say, I don't necessarily, yeah. necessarily use the term that he's betraying it so much, but just that he's the one person willing to kind of that was sort of championing that like us versus them narrative and now he's sort of just like oh yeah like you know kind of kayfabing it because the Bucks and Kenny didn't really want that narrative was the impression that I got yeah well I mean if he left 
if he left, I mean, they do want that narrative, and that's bullshit if he says that they don't. Because they take shots at WWE all the time. They make jokes about what's happening over there. They make comments. They talk about their Twitch channels, and they book, st- they book certain stuff. They're in like, you know, they do little things in the back where like they do stuff on their little YouTube show where, you know, they parody stuff going on in WWE. If they fucking say that they don't want to do that, they're full of shit. I'm just going to fucking say it right now. That's total bullshit. Like, that's exactly why you start an alternative. Like, maybe you don't want to go head to head. You want to be that alternative. But like, maybe it's not so like aggressive with them. But if they're if they're saying that they don't fucking believe that then they're lying straight up. That's insane. Cody just wore it on his sleeve and he he put it out there. He's just more aggressive about it and stuff. He was more into the symbolism like in your face about it. But that's insane, especially if you watch BTE and stuff. Like oh, yeah. they do that stuff all the fucking time. Oh yeah. I mean the whole like the whole FTR thing that started there, you know, cuz they were yeah, just exactly. making fun of WWE guys cuz it was mm-hmm. cool to do, you know exactly and they're they're on board with that and they're like are they just trying to like you know get all the fun and clout from poking fun and then like don't actually want to like admit that they want that us versus them mentality or what is it like are they just scared to make that call that's insane to me it's crazy that they would even claim that they're they're oh we're not like that you know we're real nice Come on, dude. I mean, I don't like, really give know me a if, fucking break. If that's necessarily the point, but I think that to an extent, right? I think there's there's a difference between that subtle stuff, which is maybe a little bit more that like inside baseball type thing, um, and in like the case like the FTR thing, right? It's trying to like sort of build like to a program, right? Which is what we got, and I'm sure we'll get more down the road, right? Um, and FTR has been a huge acquisition for them, but they like you can say that like it was for a program but it wasn't for a program at the time and they were in completely different companies and like cool it, it ended up leading to something but they also like talked shit about roman reigns you know yeah. after the ftr thing they did ftrr and it was supposed to be fuck the roman reigns and it was like are is roman reigns gonna come feud with him no like <laughs> it's it's so there's so many holes in what they said with that to me and it's just because it's not in there to me it's like worse if you're not like honest about it and upfront. To me, like, if you're too scared to fucking, like, just speak up about it, then I think that's worse. That's kind of fake, you know? But we also have to remember, like, these guys are all, like, friends, you know? Because, like... Yeah, that too. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure maybe maybe not... I don't, I, I don't know them personally, but, you know, I'm sure they all know each other and they're all in on the little jokes that they do. Like, especially across companies. Like, they're, they're, they're all there. You know, they all know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them were like, yeah, been in the same company at different times of their career too. Yeah. So yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's really just business. Even when Cody does it, like I mean, Paul Heyman was doing stuff like that in ECW, and he ended up working for WWE. Like you know, he and he he's still there working for them at the time. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, basically, yeah, he was. He was cutting a paycheck. And at the end of the day, it's all business. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, Cody loves Triple H. You know, they have a really mm-hmm. good relationship, and. Um, a, a very mentor-student relationship as well, and that like the stuff that he did that that targeted Triple H directly, you know, it's just business. Like they're not gonna fucking hate each other over that, and it doesn't mean that he has any less respect for him either. So at the end of the day, it's just business, and it's even weirder that Kenny and the Bucks and stuff would be afraid to like speak up about that. It, to me, that's even worse. It just gets worse as the more I think about it. it just gets worse to me. But yeah, what other news did we have this week? Well, the uh, Saudi Arabia show, uh, <laughs> which will, 
uh, kind of talk about um, the WWE Elimination Chamber uh, in uh, probably in the Jetta uh, areas, like all the other shows are. Uh, we're not going to review it this week, and we won't review any of their shows that take place in Saudi Arabia um, for a variety of reasons, kind of just out of principle. Um, these have been criticized by even like the mainstream media um, that has you know largely ignores this industry most of the time for various reasons, right? They're accepting blood money from people. Um, you know, they've even done shows in the immediate aftermath of like the Khashoggi murder and things like that when they killed the journalist. Uh, and yeah, and then like the other thing here with the news is that they are essentially doing propaganda to promote, um, not just that they're doing this show, but that like them doing it is somehow bringing like Western culture and liberalism to Saudi Arabia, which is absurd and is just a way to excuse getting a massive paycheck from Saudi Arabia and try to dismiss any criticism they get. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to like get political or anything on here, but like it's it's just we just don't feel good about it. We don't get, feel good about their shows that they do out there. We don't feel good about even the crappy product that they put on for that money that they put on that, that they get for putting on these shows. Um it's absolutely insane and it's one of the reasons why they're making so much money and then they're cutting all of these wrestlers and a lot of these wrestlers are losing their jobs. Not just wrestlers, announcers, personnel, employees, they're getting cut. And WWE is making record profits in a large, a, a nice chunk of it is coming from these uh, blood money Saudi Arabia shows. And they did these like series of tweets, I guess, like I could just see it. Like if you've ever worked for like a corporation or a big company, you get like these memos and they encourage you to say certain things to customers and stuff like that. And I could just see it. What was the what was the phrase again? Um, WWE continues to influence the world. Yeah. So there was a day where just some news came out and they had a lot of their employees tweet. A lot of wrestlers were tweeting, WWE continues to make a difference or whatever. And they all looked the same. It was all, it was bold, capitalized yeah. the exact same way. It was, it was legit, like the most blatant form of propaganda, like I have ever seen in pro wrestling. It's pretty bad. And they did that. And it just, it made me sick to my stomach to see all that stuff and see all the employees doing that. And I could just see the memo or the meeting where they, WWE told them that they had to do that or something. Like, I've seen those kinds of things before. They're like, oh, you got to say this. This is the phrase that you got to say when you want to sell something or do something. And that's, to me, that's just legit blatant propaganda. And I just, we don't, we just don't want to support anything like that. And that's why we're not reviewing the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, it makes me feel icky anytime there's like a, a Saudi Arabia show. Because it's just like, especially after the Khashoggi murder, like that, and they did a show right after. And it mm -hmm. was just, it was so... It was just gross. It just it just felt gross, and I didn't. It just made me sad to be watching the product at that time. Even even like the weekly product, I'm just like, this is this is gross, and I don't like it. And the propaganda thing is, it's 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 like a fucking cult, dude. It's insane, and it really is. It's it's just it's just creepy, and yeah, I'm, it puts a really sour taste in my mouth. Well, and I think, they do. Uh, real quick about, like, the weekly product at the time, they even, like, made an angle almost out of the Khashoggi murder, because I remember there was the, uh, I can't remember, there was some feud that Braun Strowman was in that he wanted to, like, you know, he said he was, like, he wants to dismember his opponent, and, like, Stephanie's like, well, you know, dismemberment, you know, might not be on the table, but, you know, we can we can see what we can do in Saudi Arabia. And it was, like, I couldn't I couldn't believe my... She said that? Yeah. That's, that happened? On TV, oh, my God, I didn't even know about TV. that. Yeah. That's disgusting. 
I had no Whole, idea. Dude, what? I need to see that clip. And it was, That's insane. And it was around, I think it, it was around the time, too, where they had, like, some, uh, during, like, a Tamina match where Cole said that she has a killer instinct. Uh, which <laughs> if you're familiar uh, with her family history like are they really trying oh uh, my gosh dude there's, there's some they've done some other stuff that's propaganda even when it wasn't like saudi arabia like uh related there was like do you remember they did the uh, edge versus orton greatest match of all times yes. uh <laughs> thing so like they're telling us that a match that hasn't happened yet is the greatest match of all time like it, it literally it literally says the greatest wrestling match of all time and let me tell you about this match not only did was it record it was it was during the covid era so it was pre-recorded um it and they they there was even reports of them stopping and doing retakes of of spots in the match and then they had fake crowd noise with fake chants so like the this is awesome chants and stuff like that were fake because there's no fans because it's the covid era if that's not the most fucking blatant form of a freaking propaganda possible i don't know what else is and then there were people that were like raving about the match it's like why do you even give this shit the time of day like people buying in you, you see people on twitter and stuff like that buying in like oh this really was the greatest wrestling match in the same year that like way better matches happen like the week before or it just any time <laughs> like you know like i don't remember what matches happened that year i don't remember everything that was going on but um i can't even remember what year that was but it wasn't that long ago Mm. I think it was. It, uh, the era was just strange, dude. Like it was a thing. very strange. It was a very strange time for pro wrestling, and it still continues to be weird for some certain situations, especially New Japan. Yeah. Uh, but like that was just crazy to me. To me, that was like just some insane entertainment-based propaganda, and I, I don't, I don't like that stuff. Well, and if you ever wonder why we hate WWE so much, this is one of the reasons. Besides its terrible product. Well, and like the whole pandemic era too, you had the Thunderdome with the piped in crowd noise. And like you're also oh you also God. tell everyone yeah. how they need to react to everything. So everyone's like doing like the same like, you know, ah, cheering poses and stuff like that. And it's just yeah, really bizarre and creepy. If you if you got to be on the Thunderdome, so the Thunderdome, for anybody that doesn't know, was like is during the COVID era, they would have people on their webcams like tune in right mm -hmm. so there's there, so fans would be on the screens it kind of sounds cool on the surface but then they're like as soon as it started happening the reports came out about people's experience doing them so you would be like the uh, you would be one of the people that got picked right so you'd be on your webcam and you'd be on and they would have a director like a producer telling you how to react and stuff like that. They're like, hey, we want you guys to give a big cheer here or give a big boo right here. They're telling you what to do and how to react so that you show you show what you're doing on the screen instead of reacting naturally. That is just too fucking much, man. Too much. That's not wrestling. Well, it was like really specific for the spots too. I know there was like a, gr a good example where like the whole, uh, it kind of became a meme with the Nia Jax, my whole thing. It's a big cheers for my whole <laughs> like it's big that, cheers. It's that specific yeah big cheers for my whole and like it, it's wrestling is pro wrestling is art it's 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 not it's not real it's a it's a vehicle to tell stories and to present art and to get emotion and to take you on that emotional roller coaster and stuff like that and when you start trying to control people control how people react to that then it's not that's not pro wrestling anymore it's no longer art a, a director should never dictate how a crowd reacts to something ever, even if it's like a play. You know, uh, yeah. There, no, no crowd should just should be controlled like that. They should they should have their own, you know, reactions to things. Which is that that whole thing 
I I tried one time. I tried to be on uh the uh the what's it called? What was it called? The Thunderdome. Thunderdome. And um when they saw my background, they're like, nah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Cause like I have like you know, like I have all the sh- the shit in my background. I have little toys and then the wrestling yeah. belt and everything. And they're like, mm, nah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll be okay. They ch- they pick and choose. They pick and choose who should be on there. They pick the the markiest marks to be on there. Honestly, to be mm. in their slight defense on that, uh, they did get trolled quite a bit early on with they like, did Crispin Wall pictures, did, yeah. ISIS executions, like just <laughs> yeah, straight stuff. up Ku Klux Klan yep. people and. All sorts of shit, like real bad. But and honestly, there. I mean, I'm not saying that those were good trolls that they, that should have been done. But I'm glad they got trolled. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck them. Like that's. Oh my god, it's so stupid. All that stuff. It makes me mad to even think about. But yeah, that's why we're not covering uh, WWE Saudi Arabia show. But today we are going to bring you. Some reviews of, of course, we usually do Dynamite. That's our that's something that we watch every week. Uh, we we aren't covering GCW this week, uh, but we will be ch- covering some more of that uh, in the future. But we did cover New Japan's two big shows from this weekend as well. So this is our first time covering a New Japan show or New Japan res- New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, I think you're gonna like that. We love re- pro- New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's good stuff to cover. It's probably the most like artistic like actual in-ring product out there so uh we're excited to bring you that i'm excited to talk Uh, about rampage because rampage was crazy this week yeah honestly everything we actually watched this week was pretty darn good yeah yeah we watched we watched a really great week of wrestling and there was a lot more stuff that we just couldn't we just didn't have time to watch like uh I'll, i'll shout that stuff out like impact apparently was really good i've heard really good things about impact wrestling's pay per view, and uh uh, one of our one of our um, viewers or one of our listeners told us like, "Hey, is it worth ten dollars to to watch Impact?" And my first instinct was like, "Nah." Like, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you know what? It sounds like they put on a really good show, and everybody was working hard. And um, yeah, I think it's very much worth your ten bucks to to watch Impact's um, pay per view. Yeah, after hearing and, that card, I was just like, mm, yeah. maybe I need to buy. I was some, like, uh, yeah, some Impact you know, stuff. Maybe, yeah, maybe we need to watch it. Maybe we would have reviewed it if we had time this week, but we just really don't. We love wrestling, and we love covering so much different wrestling. We just don't have time to watch it all. And then there was also, um, uh, God, what else was it that was there we wanted to cover? There was something else. There's the, um, what is it? The uh, There's the Hog Show a couple weeks from now. We'll cover that for sure. That looks like it's going to be a really good show. Uh, I'm talking about from this week. There was something else really good that we didn't get to watch that I wanted to watch, but um, so there's some, there, of course there's, there's GCW shows are this weekend. They're probably going to be pretty good. Uh, we just decided not to cover it this week so we can cover some New Japan, and we just didn't have time. It's just that's literally it. Like the only reason we don't have to, we can't cover everything is just because just because we don't have time. And, and but we're going to do our best to cover as much as we can. Uh, of course, we have like lots of plans for the future and stuff for for our Twitch channel and everything. And let's talk about a little bit about that. Um, you want to talk about our Twitter and stuff, Mr. Brose? Yeah, dude. Uh, we are we are really, really close to that triple-digit mark followage. Um, and when we hit that, we have a 
We have some fun things planned that we're not going to, you know, disclose at this moment. But uh, when we do hit it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe a little uh, little throwback um, throwback fun, which should be, uh, which should be cool. Um, make sure you're following uh, all the socials. Uh, monster pop pod on everything uh especially twitter we are we are so close so close to our goal um practically taste it i my my taste buds have been messed up for the past couple months but i i (laughs) I think i'm tasting something so that's good um pretty sure we're only like five followers away from 100 we are currently five followers away from 100 when we hit that 100 we got a big surprise for you guys like brose was saying big surprise Big surprise. It's going to be freaking cool, too, and I think you guys should check it out. They were really so, excited. So let's go ahead and... Uh, so yeah, remember, Monster Pop on all social media. You can check out our link tree. It's on our Twitter page. It's on. It's pretty much anywhere. I think it's here on the show, like in the in description of the show. You can click our link tree as all our social media. Check that stuff out, especially follow our Twitter because we're almost to 100, and we have a surprise for you guys and girls. Without further ado, AEW Dynamite, February 16th. Uh, and we open with an excellent promo by CM Punk. He's already in the ring. Um, says that he's straight edge, so that makes him better than you. Um, <laughs> it, you know, parroting the MJF thing. Um, says that he's inspired the next generation of wrestlers, um, and some he's inspired to become straight edge too. Um, runs down MJF just completely. Says that he's just shitty little Max from shitty little Long Island. Um, Don't someone make here on Long Island CM Punk or I'm gonna be mad, okay? <laughs> Don't make fun of Long Island anymore. <laughs> Let's book that match, Brose versus CM Punk. I'll take him out, man. Maybe maybe we can uh, make this a three way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, where is this? Uh, but anyway, so this builds into uh, after he calls MJF out, he says that you know you keep comparing yourself to Piper. Well, you know I kept thinking like what kind of match I want to challenge you to. And he said that Piper had his Valentine, so will you be mine? And he pulls out a dog collar and chain. So we're going to get a dog collar match. That's, of course, a throwback to uh, Piper and Greg Valentine, who put on some classic ones of that exact type. Um, and probably my favorite quote on this is he takes out the picture of CM Punk with uh, a young MJF. And he said, this is possibly the greatest day of your life. But for me, it was just Friday. Yeah, that was um, that was freaking awesome i had a lot of really good visual aids it had a lot of good like throwbacks and little references to the past and stuff i'm surprised cm punk didn't mention his uh his dog collar match with jimmy rave maybe he didn't want to like try to capitalize on the on the jimmy rave's passing rest in peace man you're awesome uh but i'm surprised he didn't mention it that he had a very cool dog collar match in ring of honor in like 2005 I think it was 2005. It might have been 2004 with Jimmy Rave, and uh, but yeah, we're I'm, I'm looking so forward to this. The I'm Straight Edge makes me better than you is a throwback to CM Punk's um, heel days where he would mm-hmm. he would say that he, he did that in Ring of Honor and in WWE. That was like his little his like catch line was was uh, I'm Straight Edge and that means I'm better than you, and it matches up with with MJF's I'm better than you and you know it. And the the dynamic here is just really great. MJF came out was speechless, didn't have anything to say this time, and <laughs> he sold it like he was genuinely that. scared too. That was yeah. Great. And I think that like it's gonna stew. Like they they obviously have a few more weeks before the pay per view, 
and it's going to stew in him. And I think whenever we find like, he's going to have some shit to say. And I'm ex- I was legitimately like excited to hear what MJF has to say like next week um, at the end of this segment. Very, very good segment. Got me pumped about the match. What did you think, Brose? Dude, I don't get excited for promos very often, but Punk is just, it, it was, it was the best promo I've heard in a very long time. Um, and just MJF coming out and being speechless for what the first time ever, like he's never said anything. Um, that was that was incredible, and um, yeah, I just thought it was it was a great way to start off the show. Yeah, this was excellent, and then that leads us into Brian Danielson versus Lee Moriarty. Ooh. <laughs> this uh, this match was so good, dude. So this was your good. first time seeing Lee, right? It was, yeah, yeah. So these guys have like a lot of like really good like just chain wrestling early, a lot of technical um, aspects to it. Uh, you get some really nice slaps from Danielson that you can hear, like you can hear it just echoing throughout the entire arena. Um, you just get a lot of cool moves. Eventually, um, a lot of like submission attempts, um, great selling. Uh, the crowd popped for pretty much every little thing that happened in this match. It was really, really good. They were really into it. Um, the only thing that I would say that was a little off was uh, Moriarty does need to improve his striking game. Mm. I agree with that 100%. That's the that's the biggest blaring thing I noticed about the match. Other than it was really good. It was really my, the first time I've seen I saw Lee Moriarty was in GCW and I thought that I think it was with I think he was wrestling Janela or something and I thought he was really really good. Uh this match was was meant to showcase how like vicious he could be. The whole like theme of what Danielson is doing right now is to like bring violence to the young people. And he had his opportunities to like strike Danielson and he took them and he did a good job. Like fundamentally things were there. Like Mm -hmm. Lee Moriarty was very, very fucking good, but he, it looked like he was like a little afraid to like lay in some of his hits Um, in wrestling. Obviously wrestling it's, it's, it's a work, but that doesn't mean that you can't make contact and you can't be a little stiff and you can't make it believable. That's the best way to make it believable. You see a lot of guys nowadays, they slap their leg when they do kicks and stuff like that. I fucking hate that. Just lay it in. It looks just as good and you look like you're doing it for real. And that's, and he, Lee Moriarty is pretty good, but those are some things that he needs to work on. Like he, he wasn't this, his strikes just weren't hitting. They looked soft. Yeah. There Uh, was, there was a just just to reiterate what you were saying. There was a um, a forearm that that Moriarty was going for, and it literally just looked like he placed his arm across across uh, Danielson's chest. It didn't look it didn't look um, the best, definitely. But but with Danielson, he's so good. Like like with with the striking, he he looks brutal. He looked yeah. brutal with them, and and he he just looks incredible tonight. Like last that night. Last night, that night, whatever night. You know what I'm talking about? Um yeah. he just looked really good. And and that was uh that that match was was great. It was so good. The match the match was really good, but it suffered because uh just, just from the strikes and stuff. Cause there were there were there were cool moments like Danielson was like putting the forearms and, and he mounted him and started punching him and like just doing some really good looking strikes. And then Lee Moriarty turned him over. That was his opportunity to shine, to lay in those shots and stuff like that. And they looked so weak. It didn't ruin the match. The match was still excellent, but it, t- it, it, it kept it from being like a really, really great match. Like that, 
from taking that like really next level to being like, oh my god, that was incredible. It was it was just a really really good match. So it's worth watching. Just you know, not the best thing that not as good as it could have been. I think. Yeah, and I think that you know this is kind of highlighting that Danielson's character of like teaching these young guys violence. I think is it's both a kayfabe thing, but it's also has like a real like it's a little bit of a shoot, right? He's well, trying to it, take these guys under his wing and teach them, you know, all the fundamentals of the game. Well, I'll share I'll share some of my own experience from this. I had uh, one of my trainers. Uh, I, I originally started training with Lance Archer, but then. Um, I wanted to learn. I just wanted to keep learning, right? So I found another uh, trainer. His name was Kevin Douglas. And he was teaching me a lot of stuff. And in the ring, he would do something that uh, other trainers weren't doing. He would just be an asshole. Like, like he would fucking do things to piss you off while you were wrestling. Like, we would do, like, mat wrestling and things like that. And he would do things to piss you off, not because he was being an actual asshole, but because he wanted to get a reaction out of you. He wanted you to get mad so you fucking hit back. And I think that's kind of what we were looking at there. Like the idea was that he was bringing that violence to bring violence out of them, to get that reaction out of them. I don't think Lee Moriarty took it enough, but I bet you he learned. I bet you he looked back at that and he knows like what was going on there. But I remember that. And I remember watching... Um, Kevin do that with other students and stuff like that, just trying to piss them off. So they just get that reaction. So they like reactions are, that's really what wrestling is. It's reactions, right? You have to react to what's happening, react to the crowd, react to things that are happening to you. And you're reacting on the fly all the freaking time. So that's really what that's all about. So it, it, ha it really did have like a lot of realism to me. Like I recognize it like immediately. Yeah. And then the, uh, the finish, um, uh, Danielson hits the psycho knee and then um, kicks his head in, then does a triangle while he's flexing, and then, of course, uh, uh, Moriarty's passed out for that. So then he cuts a promo. Um, honestly, this was another great promo segment, too, to be honest. Um, he asks the crowd if he passed, uh, if Moriarty passed or failed the test for violence. He gets like kind of like a 50-50 reaction, so that's why he doesn't trust the American public with anything. Uh, then he calls Boxley <laughs> out for his... Uh, um, answer on whether or not he'll join him and moxley also cuts on like another good promo um says that you know he met danielson years ago like t i think 10 years ago uh on the indies and said you know like he beat him then but he said that you know he kind of uh basically like he agrees with him that like you know it'd be cool to like you know teach these young guys violence and whatnot but he doesn't side with anyone that he's never bled with so he's going to uh you know, fight Danielson probably at the pay-per-view. They haven't announced it yet for sure, but we'll probably get an excellent match there. And then I guess we'll have a firm answer whether or not this is going to be a faction or what. Brose, I need to know, what was your thoughts on Lee Moriarty? Like, not just his wrestling, but like, what did you think of him when we watched him? Uh, I thought he was... He, this is my first time seeing him, you know, so... Actually, wait, wasn't he, he was in a segment last week, right, on Rampage, yeah, I think? Yeah, he sure was. Well, it was just a, it was just a tease for this well, match. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I think he, he's, he's, I don't know. I, I, I got, I got the, I got the impression that he's, like, he's really good in the ring, and, um, that's all I really got from him. You know, he didn't really, he wasn't, like, super charismatic, he wasn't, like, he wasn't like playing to the crowd a whole lot, but he was really good in the ring. So um, I'm not, I don't really have like a, a full and does honest he pass or fail yet. the violence test? 
he fails the violence <laughs> test because of the because of the strikes. <laughs> There's there's one more thing I want to say about Lee Moriarty that I really like about him, and it's one of the reasons I, I love to watch entrances. Like you guys know, I like to watch entrances. I rarely like to skip them, and sometimes I'll even go back just to see the very very beginning of an entrance. I like to see wrestlers come out. I like to see how comfortable they are and what kind of like swagger they give off, and I just like it. I, to me, it's part of the show. And something about Lee Moriarty that I noticed is that he's he's like. He kind of seems like somebody that knows what's cool. He comes out, he's yeah. got this headphones on, he his gear looks really good. He's uh he's got his MF Doom uh I thought mask that was really and, cool. like he's just he's cool. He knows what's cool and he comes out and he see he looks he he looks he has like a a, a confidence about his coolness that um it's a big deal. I really liked I really liked it. I really liked how he comes out and um that's something that I noticed about him. He has, he, to me, he has a really bright future. One last thing I do want to say about the entrances, because I think this was during the part where uh, Melissa Joan Hart was in the crowd, and that got mm. quite the reaction <laughs> yeah. from you. I was so pumped, dude. I'm just like, oh my god, it's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> I was, was so pumped. excited. Oh my god, does she like wrestling? Like, what she wasn't, she wasn't involved in anything. Yeah, in apparently the show, she took was some she? pictures backstage. I think the box posted something with her too. So oh, she's a okay. huge wrestling. Yeah, she's a huge wrestling fan. If you go on her I Twitter, it's that. like it's like all okay. maybe not all wrestling, but there's a lot really? on there. Yeah. Oh shit! And go, not okay, just like, Sabrina. It was, it was for I think she was at like some PWG shows back in the day too. Like like before they switched venues and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's she's like a huge like wrestling fan. It's really cool. There's a there's a lot of those, like Macaulay Culkin Ooh, and he loves it. Uh, uh, fucking Topanga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frey Prince <laughs> yeah. Jr. Sophia Vergara and and uh, the the that other dude, the the werewolf from True Blood. That guy, I don't know his name. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know his is. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> that's it's that's cool i love that like pwg like had all these indie guys and stuff like that and it was one of the like one of the like premier indie companies and all these celebrities got into those wrestlers so now they're going to like AEW to watch those wrestlers and stuff that's fucking awesome uh and then next up we get a keithley promo vignette that was kind of just there but is a excellent opportunity to talk about a recent story so well like Number one, I don't really care for Lee, Keith Lee's promos, um, but yeah, a story came out recently during the week. Uh, it, actually, it came out a while ago, but people seem to forget it, and I think a lot of people think that it's bullshit because it's it's like one of those oh WWE's trying to smear his name or something like that, and like there's just a lot of reports of him having like a bad attitude backstage and stuff, and I just I want to share my experience because um, I know Keith Lee. Or I knew him. Uh, we kind of came up together. He trained at Killer Tim Brooks uh, Brooks's school, and we worked at a lot of companies together. We had a couple of matches um, on the Indies and stuff. Um, and he might be different now. I don't know Keith anymore. I don't know if he's like different. So I don't want to like sit here and say anything bad about him. I just want to like give my experience. Uh, with him but when i first met keith he was really nice like he was very cool really nice i liked keith a lot and as time went on he started getting opportunities he got to be an extra at wwe things like that he started getting kind of a big head and he had 
attitude problems. And that's what these reports were saying, their attitude problems. When I heard about them, I'm like, that fits in exactly with the way he was. He, um, he got to a point where he would just argue with, he, let me, I'm trying to think of a way I can just like put this, but he, there was a group of him and like a group of other people who loved the politic backstage. Uh, they politicked with the promoter, um, they would show up to wrestling practice. Like I would train at that school sometimes like I to get some ring time and they would show up in their street clothes and they would not get in the ring. They thought they were too good to train and practice and stuff. And, and with that said, I think Keith was very, very talented. Um, do I think he could have been better at way faster? Absolutely. But he's always had kind of an attitude. He never wanted to like train or work out or anything like that. He never did. And neither did his buddies. And uh, but they would spend a lot of time hanging out with the promoter and just politicking, like just making them laugh and just being buddy, buddy. And it got to a point where like you'd hear him backstage and the promoter would be like, Hey, we need you to do this or we want you to do that. And, or they're putting together a match. And I heard this line, like Keith had this line that he said all the freaking time and he would go, eh, I don't like it. Like whenever he didn't like something. <laughs> And I heard it so much and I would get so mad about it. And there was, there was one time he got hurt in a match. Uh, it was a, it was a championship match at XCW. Uh, he was wrestling Hernandez and Hernandez was to put him over. He was going to try to make Keith Lee and like, at least, at least on the Indies there. And, um, Keith got hurt. Uh, he got suplexed on the floor uh, I think he hurt a sciatic nerve. Nobody knew it was wrong at first, but he couldn't really stand. Uh, to his credit, he finished the match, but it was awful. Like, Hernandez, you know, took his move or did something. I don't even remember what the finish actually was, but it looked bad. It looked weak, and Hernandez had to be pinned by it. He went through a lot of trouble to do that, and then Keith won the, the their championship, and then... You know, all throughout the time that he was champion, you are heard it all the time. Eh, I don't like it. Eh, I don't like it. Eh, I don't like it. And when it came time for him to drop the belt, he didn't want to do it. So he did. He no showed. He no showed the show, and I just think that was so shitty that Hernandez did all that, put him over when it didn't look good, and it hurt. Probably could have hurt Hernandez if he wasn't on TV. You know, and he didn't even want to drop the title to anybody. I just thought that was so shitty. So when I hear these reports about him having a really bad attitude, I believe it. And man, I don't know if Keith will ever hear this. And I know that we didn't get along in the end, but dude, you have a lot of talent and you have an opportunity to do shit the right way. So fucking stop, dude. <laughs> Be cool. You know, promo. That's fine. you know i I wasn't trying to cut a promo or anything but like shit man he's got a golden opportunity and if you if you got kicked out if you got fired from wwe because they didn't want to put i mean they didn't do you right man they fucked you over but if you got fired from wwe in in part because of your attitude well it's time to fucking make a change man because i know how talented you are and you were really fucking cool at the beginning so you know, and he wasn't bad to work with. Like the actual match wasn't bad. Like it was fun to work with with Keith. But you know, 
those I fucking believe those reports. So Yeah, that's fair. Um I mean, to be honest, uh yeah, I don't like it. it's you know, kind of a I don't know how that ranks compared to uh I don't feel I don't I'm not, I don't like it, brother, but uh that doesn't, doesn't work, work for me, for brother. Me, brother. But, uh, <laughs> that doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, obviously, yeah. You know, same same message, different uh, different flavor to it. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I will say, I will say this one more thing: that the people that he that he hung around with, one of them is on is was is somebody that is was on TV pretty recently and will be on TV again probably. So another person with a bad attitude. So. I'll just put it. I'll just. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> Do we get to find out if they show up on TV again? We will see. I don't want to like. <laughs> unf- I don't want to like unfairly like talk about somebody if there's no reports out there because that because they could have like changed and they could be a lot different now, and you know they don't deserve that kind of press. But you know, with Keith, it's out there. It sounds like he's still doing what he's doing and. I just, uh, I really hope that he kind of turns it around. I want good things for Keith. So, but there are, there is somebody else that in, in that very group that hung around, like that was on TV and is on TV or that probably will be on TV again. So yeah, I guess we'll find out. Well, cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. A little cliffhanger. <laughs> Uh, back to Dynamite, we had Wardlow versus Max Caster. This match was kind of just there. I think the real story here is just how over Wardlow is, especially the powerbomb spot. This is basically the modern-day version of like the Dudleys getting out the tables. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, there's not much to say. He's like Sid if he could wrestle. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah, he's definitely he's really over and whatnot, and that's that's the story. Yeah, the whole that whole match was literally just the finish. The rest of it was just there. The finish was great, but the rest of it was just there. Yeah, a little bit of yeah. sloppy parts here and there, but yeah, just there. Yeah, moving. People just want to see the people just want to see the power bomb from, and that's it. And it's as simple as that. The power bomb is awesome. The power bomb spots are awesome. That's it. <laughs> yep. Go Wardlow. Uh, next up, we have another backstage segment with yet another celebrity uh, appearance. We have uh, Mercedes Martinez backstage with Tony and uh, Britt's crew, and then. Uh, she's wearing a Cobra Kai shirt, and Martin Cove, uh, John Kreese himself, comes out as her sensei, and uh, they talk about how, you know, later on that they need to show no mercy to Funderosa, so that leads to that match later, obviously, and then we have Hangman interview with uh, Tony Schiavone, um, kind of, he's actually uh, got a few uh, scars or uh, bandages from last week, which is kind of cool, especially like putting over the brutality of that match. Uh, and then we get uh, an Adam Cole and Hangman Adam Page uh, promo off. Uh, Cole kind of puts him over um, as his friend and as like a really competent champion, but says that basically he's been a champion everywhere. This will naturally be his belt. Uh, and he kind of teases like you know good sportsmanship and whatnot before Red Dragon comes in and attacks uh, Adam Page. They team up on him, and then the Dark Order and security saves them. Adam Cole's fine. Cool. It'll be a It'll be an interesting world title match. I don't. I don't see Adam Cole winning. Yeah, it's too I don't early see it either. Yeah. One thing that was uh, was kind of weird was um, Hangman's reaction to the other Adam thing. I felt was like kind of kind of cringe. Kind of kind of mm-hmm. just 
dumb. I mean, it was, it was like, uh, it's a jab at like him saying that like you're less relevant than me. Yeah, right? no, which I, is I, I which is weird. That, it's like, it bitch, just... I'm world champion. Exactly. That like, why, why did that get to him like that? I don't know. It, he, it probably, just, I just he probably should have weird. Yeah, he probably should have said, bitch, I'm world champion. And kind of. Like, yeah, that's that's mm. like make him cool. Make make Hangman cool. Like yeah, and he is. Pretty um, cool I can agree with that. Him, but yeah, that's like one thing for sure. The the one part that was uh was really funny to me was um ten just going crazy and throwing it all the security around that was that was funny to watch yeah it was really <laughs> random I think they're just trying to like put over that he's like kind of like this um I don't like he's obviously like he's cool with his friends but he's got like this unbalanced side that's like really willing to commit violence we've been seeing that in some of his uh matches on dark where he just like goes for like this kind of like crazy looking full Nelson. So I think that's just kind of what they're doing with him. It's a little weird, but it works. People popped for it. Yeah, it was funny. Like, watching him just throw people around and then, like, the giant throw to the outside. That was great. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think, it, was, it was cool. I think people are really ready to see people from the Dark Order break out, and I think that Ten, uh, a.k.a. Preston Vance, has uh, the, probably the most potential out of everybody. I mean, uh, John Silver's awesome, but... He is really small and probably. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to rampage. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I think people are really ready for some people from somebody from the Dark Order to really pop out for sure. Uh, next up, we have Jericho and Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. But before the match starts, Eddie Kingston comes out to what can only be described as a monster pop. He said it. He said it. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. Uh, but like, I mean, he his the the chants were literally drowning out his music. He could yeah. not possibly be more over. Um, I definitely want to see Eddie Kingston in like a bigger picture very soon, and it seems like we're gonna be heading to him and Jericho, which could be a good stepping stone for that. Uh, this match was pretty yeah. good though. Um, Santana Ortiz were really intense throughout it. Um, Jericho was good. Hager was good. Um, a lot of cool spots. There was a cool um, Jericho went for the lion salt, and uh, Ortiz kind of caught him in the ropes while Santana hit the uh, Russian leg sweep and took him out for there. Uh, they hit their finisher on him. Uh, we get a cannonball reverse into the lion tamer, uh, and yeah, it was just a really, really good and fun match. But uh, Santana and Ortiz pick up the win, and very curious to see where this goes. I like this a lot. It was we were groaning before this match happened. At least I was. I was like, ugh, mm-hmm. goddamn. Like something about Chris Jericho <laughs> that I used to like. I don't know if it's because of all the shit that he's been doing lately, um, just being really weird about stuff, and his wife like going to being part of the freaking insurrection on the Capitol, like just some crazy ass shit, and him giving money to the Trump campaign and all that kind of stuff, but. Something about Jericho just hasn't been really sitting right with me lately. But so I was kind of groaning coming up to this match, but it was good. It was awesome. Like Santana Ortiz looked really upset. And there's one, there's a thing like where you see, like you can tell, and man, and this isn't like back to Lee Moriarty, this isn't like a slide on him, but he kind of hits like he's never been in a fight before. And you can kind of tell like when somebody's been in a fight before. And it looked like like Santana and Ortiz look like people they have been into a, a fight before. They're in they're in That's Jericho's kind of their whole face. Gimmick, talk- right? <laughs> well, it it is it is, but like I mean, like when I I'm not even talking about like the way they look. I'm saying like their demeanor, the way they move, their actions. Like they had 
uh, Santana backed Chris Jericho up into a corner and he got in his face and was talking shit and like pressing on his fucking face with his forearm and like getting in his face. I was like, dude, that's badass. Like he looks like he fucking believes what he's doing. And that's how you that's how you suspend the disbelief in pro wrestling is shit like that. Like just being believable and something that people can buy into. I love that. That was my favorite part of this match. Like cool spots. I liked it. The match was really good otherwise, like as a wrestling match. But the thing I liked about it more is how it fucking hooked me after I was groaning about it. Oh yeah. I feel that. The 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 finish, the the last little sequence there, that was that was like so well done. Uh the the distraction, the drop kick, the Yeah, he he the, drop kicked um, uh, Kingston. Yeah. Um and then um Jericho just getting absolutely demolished by that lariat and oh, yeah. and yeah it was just it was just so well done um the the entire match was great but that finish just like it was it was, it was something we watched it like twice i think and it was mm. just it was just something to behold that was so good so well done give me more eddie kingston that guy i'm telling you right now y'all he's on the verge on the cusp of just being the next stone cold steve austin 100 like he's he's right there if Jericho put him over, I think Jericho could help make him. And man, Eddie King, give me more Eddie Kingston. Incredible on the mic, fun wrestler to watch. Just everything about him. You always watch Eddie Kingston when he's on. He's he's so good. He's great in every way, and it's very long overdue. Good for good for Eddie. Yeah, and we. I definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, it's kind of the crux of this feud with Santana and Ortiz one up, but they definitely need to be in the title picture for the tag belts very very soon. Yeah, agreed. I feel like that's where they're headed. They're doing um, they're doing a battle royal, a tag yeah. team battle royal soon, or is it on the pay per view? Um, it's on. It's it's before the pay per view. Yeah, because the pay per view. I think there's. Is it the final two in the royal? So it's a three way, or is there another qualifying thing? I don't quite remember. Um, I think it's just a regular one, and it de- de- determines the one number one contender. I think. Yeah, but I know it's a three way at the pay per view for sure. Oh, is it is? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. I can't remember if there's two qualifying things or if it's just the final two teams. Are, it might be there. the final two, yeah. Yeah, because there was... Well, uh, that's that's exciting. Yeah, because there was a... Because backstage, the next segment was uh, Red Dragon uh, and the Bucks kind of saying, like, oh, well, we'll be the two teams on there, and then, you know, we'll be able to settle our differences or whatever. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I want to see Santana and Ortiz doing some stuff, though, man. They're good. Yeah, they They're really real good. good. I think really underappreciated too. They've been there since the beginning, and like, I kind of like. And I, they, for me, they were kind of just there for a while, but now it's like, yeah, I really like these guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up now now is the Mercedes Martinez versus Fonda Rosa uh, no DQ gotcha. match. Um, Rosa gets a big pop. Uh, Martin Cove, John Kreese, whatever you want to call him, if you want to go by his, I mean, he basically played the John Kreese character throughout it. He's in the front row watching the match. Um, this was a pretty good um, no DQ match. There was a kind of crazy spot where um, uh, Mercedes Martinez was whipped into the barricade, which just immediately collapsed on impact. Uh, looked like she might have got her head, but she got up and finished the match uh, for a while. So it was you know clearly couldn't have been too bad or serious. Um, they were fighting in the crowd. Tony shouted out at one point that someone paid for that seat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't let him watch GCW. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah this was really good um, there was a kind of a crazy uh, let's see the finish was um, that uh, 
Rosa hits the Thunder Driver into a pile of chairs uh, and picks up the win. Then uh, Britt, Rebel, and Jamie Hayter come down and start beating up Rosa. And yeah, that was that was the match. It was it was pretty good for what it was. I think it could have been a little bit better, but yeah, this is definitely a solid no DQ match. I like this match, but something was kind of off about it. It wasn't great. It especially wasn't as good as I thought it could be. Um, but both women are really good. I love Thunder Rosa. She's great. The post-match stuff was really good. It very mm-hmm. much got me interested. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Britt coming out and talking to, um, talking to Homeboy. What's his name? Uh, Martin Cove is the actor. Martin Cove. And she's like, what do I do next? And he's like, finish him. Yeah, like just ripping right, right from the Karate yeah. Kid, Cobra Kai. Yeah. 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 She she gets in and then uh, she attacks. You know, they end up beating up both women and uh, both Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa. And it was just really well done. Like it was a really well done angle. Well, uh, kind of uh, like a little bit of nuance to the Mercedes thing real quick is they give her the lead pipe first and she just looks at Rosa after like, yeah. Rosa had, like kind of showed her respect. She hesitates for a yeah. bit. And then Jamie just beats her up from behind and there it is yeah. there's the beauty of professional wrestling right there like you see those little nuances and like she stood there and was like should i do it because thunder rosa gave her respect they hated each other going in they beat the fuck out of each other did some crazy stuff including the um including the fucking move onto the table on the out from the oh, outs- yeah. from the from the apron to the outside and then she gave her respect after the match and like mercedes martinez it she put it she put it across that it meant a lot to her so when Britt baker and her crew comes out and tells her to finish her off she hesitates looks like she doesn't want to do it she's unsure but maybe she will do it uh jamie hater didn't even give her a chance as soon as she hesitated she knocked her down and that was that was it was so good and they've been very, teasing very, tensions very good. between those two ever since mercedes yeah. joined so like again it's just yeah. it's all there all you know continuity yeah i love it very good professional wrestling right there. Yeah, my thing was the the match felt like kind of slow and it was kind of off, like you said. Mm-hmm. But the storytelling afterwards was just made it all like really worth watching. Um, the, the they had some problems too with the uh, with the table and everything. The table uh, yeah, the leg broke, broke, and they had to hit it at a weird angle, and it just looked it it, it made it look like more painful, honestly, for <laughs> both of them. So mm-hmm. I guess that kind of worked in their favor. Um, even if it probably was a bit more painful for both of them. Um, but yeah, the, the match, the match had some really, really innovative spots and that was cool. Um, but, but yeah, the, it, it was really the end match that, that really, uh, solidified that this was like a good segment, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, next up, we had a uh, Malachi Black vignette. Um, they were teasing a new member for the House of Black. Um, possibly Buddy Matthews, formerly Buddy Murphy from WWE. Uh, that's our speculation, at least. They they kind of just show the person silhouetted so you don't get to see. But he is a free agent that has apparently recently signed with the company for reports are to be believed. So we could be getting him. He's really good. Um, I would love to have him in AEW. And yeah. Very solid. I like seeing the, I like seeing the faction growing. Mm-hmm. I, they just need to decide what the fuck to call themselves. Yeah, right. Well, it's like it seems they're settling on House of Black with the tag team as Kings of the Black of the the Black Throne, but it's just it's a little too much. Like it's a pretty long name to give a tag team that's already part yeah, of the faction. Yeah, I, 
I know th- I know they can do that, but I feel like they have to establish the faction first. Yeah, 100%. like you know the Bullet Bullet Club has the Girls of Destiny, right? Mm-hmm. We know who we know who God is. Well, they had the Girls of Destiny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they had. Oh, yeah. That's and the whole. Yeah, that's an Impact thing too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big sad. We gotta watch Impact, dude. <laughs> I guess we ought to. I don't know. <laughs> All right, what's what's next? Um, Jay White uh, cut a promo where he takes indirect credit for creating AEW because uh, when he took the belt from Kenny, it forced him to leave the company. Was kind of his argument. So he's like, "Hey, you wouldn't have this com- this uh, company if it wasn't for me." So, kind of a neat way to put himself <laughs> over with a pseudo that's, new crowd. That's the trend now. That's gonna you're gonna see a lot of people cut promos like that. Yeah. We saw Cody cut a promo like that. We saw Jay White cut a promo like everybody's gonna cut a promo that they're the reason that this stuff started in some indirect way, but they'll still take credit up for it. I'm sure MJF yeah. will cut a promo like that. Like CM Punk could cut a promo like that saying that he started it with the original mm-hmm. pipe bomb promo. Um <laughs> I don't I, I think that's the trend right now. Great promo from Jay White. Awesome to see him on TV. He looks like a fucking natural on TV. Uh, then that takes us to our main event, Darby Allen versus Sammy Guar for the TNT title. Whoa, whoa, wait. Let's hear Brose's thoughts. Uh, I think Jay White's really... Uh, it's, it's really cool to see him on, like, American TV. Because, like, we've seen we've seen him for years on in uh, in New Japan. And just... He just looks natural. He has, like, a, he has an aura. He has a look about him. And uh, just... <laughs> he's really funny, too. And I don't people. I don't think people give him enough credit for being funny. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, when we get to Rampage, we get to talk a little bit more about him and just you know gush over Jay White for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now to the main event, which was awesome. And like, so this was a um, a normal match, right? There was DQs, but the spots that like Darby and Sammy are both like willing to put themselves in look more brutal than anything you'd get in like half the hardcore matches you see. Um, just like crazy, like buckle bomb spots where Darby just goes crashing to the outside. Um, this took me right back to when Darby was TNT champion and was like doing like all these insane things uh, in every match. Um, just constantly, you know, all these like high spots and whatnot. But then eventually, uh, Jose distracts the ref. Andrade hits Darby with his uh, tablet, and uh, it breaks. Uh, Sammy hits the GTH for the win. Then Matt Hardy comes to the ring, beats him up. And Andrade takes out Sammy, also with the tablet, and steals his belts <laughs> on the way out. Mm. He did do that, huh? I forgot that they that they stole the belts. <laughs> yeah, he just walks. Yeah. He just poses them, walks off. He looks he looks great with them. I hope he you know gets them legitimately. They have they tease they're doing a match for them next week. So yeah, uh, Andrade is the TNT champion that we need. One hundred percent. Oh my god, he's so good and just not being utilized right. He is the champ we need, straight up. I mean, up. even with just so as little as he did with like the interference in this match, he looked like a star. He does, yeah. He looks like a star no matter what he yeah, does. Absolutely. He looks good. He's got like cool hair and glasses. He's dressed nice and like handsome dude. Like he looks like a fucking star. And he's really fucking good to boot. Really good. Uh one spot in this match that like completely had me in awe was the uh the cutter to the outside with with well the yeah the, Darby did a dive the dive to the and and then Sammy catching him in the cutter, oh my god it was so smooth and the camera angle was perfect they showed it from above and I didn't like how it looked from above but like from the initial camera angle it looked so so uh 
devastating, I guess. Yeah, because it was like a really low ankle. Yeah, and and he just just got in there and just, boom, smacked him down. It was great. And Darby doesn't... Darby... Like he, nobody does dives like Darby. Oh yeah, he comes. He comes out like a legit missile mm-hmm. and hits hard. Usually he'll like he hits people so hard he bounces off of them oh, most of the time. So he he does not pull whenever he does something. Even though like he's they're doing this spot, he didn't pull. He fucking comes out. He comes out really fast. With the cameras on Sammy and he catches him. And it's it was we all popped. We all popped for that. And it oh, was yeah. yeah. These this their matches the trilogy between Sammy and Darby are fucking awesome and this was probably the best one. All right, so moving on to Rampage, uh, February eighteenth, we had Adam Cole versus Preston Vance. Uh, Ten gets an early advantage, just looks really strong. Uh, kind of works like this big man, small man, uh, thing. Uh, Adam Cole keeps trying to work the legs, which eventually pays off when it kind of gives out. Um. Uh, this was honestly just a really, really good match. Um, both performers looked good. I think this is probably 10's best match that I've seen him in. Um, they both just worked a really cool style. I liked the way that 10 sold things, right? When he hits the spear, it looked kind of weak because it was kind of just on one leg and things like that. It kept going for the full Nelson. I think try- attempted it four times, but it um, eventually Adam Cole takes it out with a low blow and... I think this is a great match. Like, it helps build a challenger, and, like, as obvious as it was that, like, Adam Cole was going to be the next challenger, and, like, Ten should obviously not have a shot at beating him. Um, they made me, you know, almost believe at times that Ten had a shot at winning. Yeah, they had me They had me a couple times there. I was I was honestly surprised uh, how much time they gave this match, you know? Because, like, trying to, trying to build um, Cole as, like, a legitimate uh, uh, contender for the title... And then giving, I guess Ten's not. I, I don't know. I don't know much about him, but um, I didn't think he was like too, too impressive. Uh, but this this match really, really, they gave it a lot of time, and there was a lot of near falls and a lot of, uh, a lot of really cool spots that they did. Um, so I was I, I, I'm a fan of Ten now. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like I always say that like Adam Cole doesn't do anything for me and he kind of really doesn't but I do see why he's considered to be as good as he is and this match showed it more than anything like the match was really good he was good in it he's not really the flashiest wrestler which is fine with me but he the, the reason why people feel like he's so good is because he makes people believe that that somebody like 10 could win and he was awesome 10 like you give you give i've said it this before too like if you give somebody the ball and they run with it that's a good thing right so 10 ran with the ball he was given opportunities to look good it was like what we were talking about with lee moriarty earlier there were moments where he was given the opportunity to look good and he took those opportunities and and they didn't quite they didn't quite come up to where they should have been 10 different story mm-hmm. he looked good in every opportunity he was given he hit hard he was like he fired up when he was supposed to people got into him um adam cole is like selling his full nelson finish and it was awesome this was easily preston van this is easily 10's best match i've seen and he's definitely like people like i said people are ready for a dark order member to to have their day and uh he's definitely at the forefront of that to me especially after this match for sure yeah uh which takes us to another big guy versus small guy match in powerhouse hobbs versus dante martin as a qualifier for the uh ladder match at the pay-per-view 
Uh, Hobbs is dressed in kind of a Harlem Heat sort of reference getup. Um, Taz and Ricky Starks are great on commentary, especially when like one of their stories is like tied in the match. They just bury Dante. They're just like, you know, <laughs> screw this guy. You know, he, you know, he, you know, voided his contract with us and whatnot. He's a bad person. Yeah, he's a bad person. <laughs> it's like all this stuff. It was great. Um, and this match was fantastic. It was really similar to the Keith Lee, um, uh, Isaiah Cassidy match last week, but like it was a little bit different. Better. Yeah, it was. I think it was better. It was better. Um, it was a little bit more yeah. competitive. Uh, these guys have a bit more history together um, because of the Teen Taz uh, Dante Martin story. Um, you got like these. Uh, I think he he did the Beal twice across the ring. That was just huge. Um, and then he gets this big spine buster for the win. This was really good. And I love that you had two matches where like this, the physical setup was the same where because of the, you have the big guy, small guy thing, but the matches were, could not be any more different from each other. Yeah. This was goddamn. Will Hobbs is a fucking is awesome. He's a star. If like, I don't even like, I'm so glad that he's in the ladder match so far. It's a bunch of big athletic wrestlers. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, what that's what the ladder match is so it's far. Hobbs, it's Wardlow. I should have mentioned that that the Wardlow match earlier was for that, but yeah, it's Hobbs, Wardlow, and uh, Keith Lee. So it's going to be an interesting match. There were moments where we had to like rewind to see what happened again, just how good it was. And mm-hmm. Will Hobbs is so explosive, and everything he does looks just so explosive and like mean. He has great facial expressions. He takes his time between things that he does. He doesn't ever look like he's in a rush. He gives, um, it made the spots that Dante Martin did like really cool high flying stuff mean something. Oh man, this was just, this was awesome. I loved it. Will Hobbs fucking rules. Yeah, and Dante's great too. The way that he was like mocking Keith Lee when he threw uh, Dante and he did like the, the fingers that Keith yeah. Lee does, like Hobbs is <laughs> Hobbs is a showman, and I and I really like him. And he's he, the way that he just runs through people is so, it's just so believable. And and especially with Dante, Dante goes flying, and it's it's it was a great match, great match. He was like, I could do this too, bitch. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's like, I could Straight throw up. I could throw people across the ring too. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, fucking great. Uh, next up, we had a backstage segment with Jade. Um, the interview gets erupted. Matt Hardy says that Bunny is going to be challenging her next week. Oh my god, dude! She was dressed like the fucking Riddler <laughs> oh, yeah. from Batman she and Robin. Was, well, it wasn't really like, except was. instead or forever, of forever. Sorry, or Batman Forever. Except instead of uh, question marks, it was uh, dollar signs. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't know. The Riddler, dude. I don't know if that was like on purpose or if like like or like. I don't know if it was awesome, like if it was really good or just really cringe, because that's like the worst Batman movie of all time, or one of them. And like, why would you dress as the villain from one of the worst Batman movies ever? I was just, oh. But you know what? Cool. I like Jade. Whatever. She can pull We're it talking off. Talking about it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are sure are talking about it. Yeah, there you go. The Riddler. <laughs> 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 um then we had a, a squash match serena deeb versus uh and helica wrist riddle me riddle me shits <laughs> oh my god, god. <laughs> uh okay and then we get our main event uh trent beretta versus jay white uh this was excellent this was basically like a faster slightly faster paced uh new japan match condensed and like produced like on an AEW show that's really the feel that this gave me 
Um, both these guys are great. Um, Trent's really not worked a ton as a uh, singles wrestler, but um, I think he definitely could. And like Jay White's obviously fantastic. Um, chose his spots well. Um, really nice competitive match. Uh, this was really solid. Uh, Jay White picks up the win, and then he uh, taunts Orange Cassidy after the match. Jay White was the fucking man right here. Looked like the top guy. Oh, especially uh, when did, he was on top, like when he was yeah. on the turnbuckle, just making fun of Tanahashi. Just oh my god, yeah, with the air guitar and just he he exudes charisma. Like he's 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 so so fun to watch when he's in the ring, dude. And it's just. And Trent's great too. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, he's fine. Jay Jay was the star here. He was a hundred percent the star here, and um, I I can't wait to see what they do with him. You know, I can't wait to see how far they take him. Yeah, and I think this is the first time uh, that they've really put over a New Japan guy on their shows too. Is it? I, yeah, you're right. It is. It straight up is. They put him over. <laughs> you're right. A hundred percent. They put him over strong too. It was very. Mm-hmm. Cl- it was clean. The or- I love how he didn't like fall into the Orange Cassidy thing. I like Orange Cassidy a lot, but I also don't want to see somebody like Jay White do something stupid, like take the weak kicks and stuff like that. Even though that's like part of Orange Cassidy's get skit, like um, shtick. And I-, I liked how he was like, like looked at him like, what are you looking at, bitch? And he just left. That was great. Uh, there was a really crazy part where Trent went for a dive, and I don't, I guess. Jay wasn't in the right position and just straight dropped oh, yeah, Trent the on the ground. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty bad. That was brutal. Oh my god, it was so brutal. And uh, I felt bad. I was like, "Oh shit, dude!" Like that was just crazy. But he's um he's good. He's as good as any of them. He might be. He's he's up there. He's up there with the best in the world. Like in that conversation, probably a top ten guy. And uh, they're it's awesome that they have him. They obviously know what they got with him. And it was cool that that, that this was the match that um, people got to see him for the first time uh, in America. A lot of people that don't watch new mm-hmm. Japan and stuff that got to see him for the first time. He's also like, okay. So Trent, like, I don't want to like, talk, you know, say that Trent wasn't good here or anything like that. Cause he was good. The thing about Trent is, is like when he was in new Japan, he was just starting a singles run as a heavyweight. He was always in the junior division, junior tag team uh, with uh, with Rocky Romero as Rapongi Vice. He was just starting to do his like singles stuff, and he hadn't quite had his breakout singles moment. He still hasn't, even though he's had some good singles matches. Now this kind of felt like an extension of that. Like he was getting in there with the top level guy in a singles match, and it's still part of his like growth to to break out one day. And I still think Trent has that breakout ahead of him. And it's going to happen. It's just, it, it finally felt like we were back on track with Trent, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I also, like, you know, like one thing I kind of, I sort of mentioned this was, this felt like a New Japan match. I think it helps too that it's uh, a little bit more digestible as a New Japan match, too. Um, which we're, I mean, we're going to review uh, the New Year's Golden series uh, right after this. But the New Japan matches can tend to go for lo- uh, a really long time. And, they're not frankly for like a more casual audience in a lot of cases. Like I, I highly encourage you to go out and, you know, try it out, but I get that it's a, it's a lot of commitment to like watch, you know, these like, you know, hour long matches or matches that approach that length of time and having a little bit more of a digestible tidbit is a good way to introduce yourself to someone like Jay White, but also kind of that style as well. 
New Japan very much does their storytelling mostly in the ring. They don't do a lot of angles or promos or anything like that. While they do have promos and angles, they're usually like put at like the end of shows, like their post-match promos, things like that. But their their storytelling is in the ring most of the time. So all that time is given to like build a story when you're watching. So it does require you sometimes to pay attention to their matches. And it's not, it's not for everybody. It's just a different style. But we'll like you said, we'll talk about it here in a sec. All right, yeah, so the New Japan New Year's Golden Series, uh, a two-night show. Um, we kind of skipped around a bit. We wish-watched the main matches. One of the sort of weaknesses of New Japan as well is that they have a lot of these prelim matches that not a whole lot happens. Um, they're very easily skippable. But the actual matches are, re- like, the key ones are really good. Uh, so the first one we watched was the... Um, IWGP tagged uh, junior tag team champion, or no, I guess it was the yeah, it was the junior tag team championship uh, match in a four way. Um, I admittedly missed a good chunk of this match. So, what did you guys think of this match? <laughs> I mean, I I, I I I watch these matches and I just want to watch El Fantasmo. That's it. Like I I mean, <laughs> yeah. not that I don't like anybody else because everybody else is good in this match. Like everybody's good. Like if you have people that are working in New Japan, you can probably just go ahead and like the worst guy in New Japan is better than most people on any other roster and uh he's uh he's my favorite up-and-comer he's got like a fuck a fuck ton of charisma he plays the asshole perfect he's got a great look he's extremely good in the ring and he does things that just nobody else even approaches like um there's something about him and i think that he's gonna be i think he's gonna be like the next like the next guy that people talk about when they like like kenny omega or Mm -hmm. will osprey that's my prediction for him. They need to hurry up and put him in some like big single success. Yeah, and they've they've like teased it like the past year, and he just hasn't gotten it. Yeah, if you if you have a chance to watch that guy, he's been on Impact as well. Um, you, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have any single match to go out of your way to watch, but uh, he's Wrestle had Kingdom really good matches. Year. Okay, last year's Wrestle Kingdom was really good. You're right. Um, also, like his uh, matches with Will Osprey, he had a match with Will Osprey. It was the, I want to say it was the best of Super Juniors. They did some of it in America, I think. Didn't they do it? It was. It was. I don't. One of those you know what? I don't. Yeah, it was a tournament, and they did something. And in the finals was Will Osprey versus him. That match is really good. Um, he's uh, he's he's on his way up. I, I that's and when I think of this match, all I can think about is the cool stuff that El Fantasma did. And I give him a lot of credit because he made he they did this two year long storyline <laughs> where he had a piece of metal in his boot, but nobody could prove <laughs> it. So he would claim that he was kicking trees to train, like he tri- kicked trees in the forests of Canada to train his uh, his super kick leg, and he was winning matches with super kick. And he started calling it the sudden death super kick, and he would knock people out, but everybody would claim that he had he had a loaded boot. But for two years, nobody could prove it, and that came to a head just this last. Um, Wrestle Kingdom and Robbie Eagles got they got the, his uh, boot off and they finally look inside <laughs> and they pulled out this chunk of metal that's been in his boot and I thought it was just so cool because it was just a way to make the super kick a finisher again because everybody's kind of bastardized it and everybody uses the super kick and they use it as like a little transitional move from point A to point B but he made it like a feared finisher in New Japan and I thought that was just so good and nobody could even approach that. So that's what I liked about this match. 
I've always been um a big fan of Ishimori. So who's his partner? So, yes, who's his partner? Um, so like getting back into it because I I haven't really watched New Japan until you know we started you know hanging out, and um he was he was just sort of um coming out when I when I first when I was watching New Japan a couple of years ago, and to see like like how much better they are together is um is really is really um cool to see the match was was like it was action packed it was constant Every, something was happening constantly so i thought it was it was just like a it was just like a fun match to uh to start the night off with um well i guess we didn't really start the night off. we watched 3 hours of uh, <laughs> AEW first yeah true but to start the new japan segment off um it was it was a great match to watch it was it was fun and it was uh it was um just action 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 it was great yeah, so next up we had the uh, IWGP tag, uh, I guess heavyweight tag team championship match, which was Hiroku Goto and Yoshihashi versus Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, early on, you get a ton of interference from Evil's group, the House of Torture. Um, you, of course, get you know the spot where he throws, um, in this case, Goto into the timekeeper table. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's wrecked. The timekeepers are on the ground. It's always a fun bit to yeah. watch. Uh, there was another crazy spot with um, Goto where he gets um, some staff and just beats the crap out of all of the House of Torture. Like, you know, obviously the people that are in the match, but also uh, Sho and uh, Dick Togo. Um, that, that was like a really random spot, but it was really memorable. <laughs> Evil has the best entrance music in all of wrestling. It's and great. I don't care oh, what yeah. anybody says. It's the best wrestling music out there. Period. <laughs> I think evil's evil's just great, and like I know, I know you guys are saying that like he gets a bad rap because he's never like had a clean win or something like that, right? Was that? What... I think that that well, seems to be the they, big thing that people hate about him. They they do the they do like the old school like dog and pony show with the with the goons and the cheating mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and it's not really like, New Japan fans like a clean victory. Yeah. They like like they like the tradition of pro wrestling in in New Japan, and so people kind of hate seeing all that stuff. <laughs> I personally love that stuff, but I think it's <laughs> only great when, it's, because, when it's yeah because it's, it's like, funny. It's his thing. It's just it's what happens, you know. So yeah. they, they keep with it, and you know they kept with it here when uh, when everyone was just absolutely decimating them in the beginning of the match. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. So I don't really remember too many like spots other than the um the table spot, which was it, it was funny watching uh just them try to take the take the table off of them it's like it's like crushing them like, oh it's crushing them but they were, <laughs> they were fine <laughs> um but yeah that's i don't really remember too much from this match i don't know if i was distracted or what but um yeah it you were getting you were you were you were you were uh getting food or peeing or something i remember <laughs> oh yeah <I> <laughs> maybe both at the You're same right. time yeah straight up eating a hot dog while peeing <laughs> yeah let's go yeah i was eating a hot dog whilst peeing um tell the truth have y'all ever like eaten something while you're with one hand while peeing with the Um, other hand or pooping i've eaten whilst i was pooping before i can 100 i can 100 say i've done that (laughs) i can honestly say i've never done that but i have like eaten a snack while peeing (laughs) (laughs) well this is taking a turn (laughs) 
Wait, so wait, wait, so let me get this straight. You've never went to the kitchen, right? You went to the kitchen, grabbed a snack, right? And it's like, oh, I got to use the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, and like the snack is still in hand, and you just eat it. You never done that? No, like, like, uh, like if I had like, no, not to, not to take a dump. No, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it. Okay, my friends, like, uh, my friends can attest. I have a notoriously weak stomach, and maybe I shouldn't put that out there. Ooh. but it's bad. If I smell something bad, I'll start gagging immediately. <laughs> I have a notoriously weak stomach, and it does not take me a lot to fucking puke. I have so, a really, really strong stomach, and I haven't puked yeah. since like I want to say two thousand and eight. So, yeah, uh, very different, yeah. very different stomachs yeah. here. If I if I smell stinky trash, I'll start to lose it already. Oh, like my no. eyes get all watery, and like it gets all tingly in the back of my jaws and shit like that. Oh, and I'm no. almost ready to puke. Yeah. So like it's it's that bad. So I can't do it. I can't I can't do the fucking stinky stuff. But and I especially can't eat while I take crap. That's <laughs> insane. Well, but you know, yeah, more you know, dude, dude, dude. Yeah, peeing while eating a mozzarella stick. That's probably okay. Right. That's fine. All right. Well, listeners, if you're if you stuck around <laughs> through all that. I guess we should get a little bit back on track we discuss all of them. We want to know. We want to know. Have you no, eaten while never. you went to the never. bathroom? Let us Not know. You. I'm talking about, I'm ask talk- Monster Pop. Yeah, ask Monster Pop. Have you ever eaten while going to the bathroom? Would this be, we need to should know. Should we have it instead be answer Monster Pop in this case? Oh, this, yeah, that would, yeah, you're probably Oh, my right God. There. No, we'll keep it under all, oh we'll keep God. it all under one roof. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, getting back on track. Yeah. Um, you ever listen to Monster Pop while peeing or taking a dump? I have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Back on track. <laughs> All right. This match pretty decent. Um, I, I get that you know the interference isn't everyone's cup of tea. I think Evil's entertaining. So be it. But uh, the IWGP US title match we had Tanahashi versus uh, Sonata. I feel like there was another match in between there. No, there wasn't. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. So the main event. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Go yeah. ahead. Hey, look, give us the recap, Mr. Play-By-Play. <laughs> All right, well, I don't have like the whole play-by-play, but basically um, Tanahashi works the uh, uh, Sonata's legs throughout the entire match. Um, he, go- he tries to kind of submit him with the Cloverleaf a few times. Uh, this match was kind of slow at first, but really kind of picks up near the end, which is sort of kind of not atypical of a New Japan uh, singles match uh, for a big title. Um, we get some cool um, spots with uh, Sonata did a uh, TKO and then did a Moonsault. Um, and then tr- attempted it again, but Tanahashi uh, dodged it. Uh, we got um, a really cool chain sequence that ended with a dragon suplex. And then uh, a double leg Nelson for Sonata gives him the win for his, uh, I believe, first big singles title in his career. Dude, Sonata looked like an absolute star uh, at the end of this match. He looked amazing, especially with a belt on his shoulder. Um, this was, this was an incredibly clean match. I think we talked about that, like, Mm -hmm. whilst watching it. It was incredibly clean. There was no, there was no flubs. It was just, it was just two insane wrestlers doing what they do best. Um, Sonata has, has the look. Tanahashi's a legend. Uh, it was just, it was a great, great match. Great match. I love this match. Uh, it was a little slow, but I think that's okay for a match like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Tanahashi, yeah, this is the art of pro wrestling. And when you hear people in the business say, you have to make something mean something, you have to make something mean something. If Tanahashi didn't take his time working on the leg 
like he did because he 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 worked on Sonata's leg like the entire yeah. first part of the match, probably like the two thirds of the match. And then there was this big moment. This is where the the match really turned around. There was this big moment where Tanahashi goes for the high five fly flow. He's been on top. He's been working on the leg, and Sonata, out of desperation, had no choice but to put his. He had to counter the the move. He didn't have enough strength to roll over, so he puts his knees up. He's been working on his knee the entire match. Tanahashi lands on his knees, but he successfully counters the high fly flow, which is a frog splash from the top rope. And oh my God, that meant so much in this match. And I and I challenge you, if the match was fast and there wasn't as much time put into working the leg, would this have meant as much? Would this have been, been a, as big of a moment at this point in the match it, uh, otherwise? You know, it, would, it, would it have been different? And I think, yeah, I think it would have been. I think it wouldn't have meant as much. And this was awesome. I loved it. That's when I really got hooked in the match. Like, really got, like, uh, started really paying attention. And yeah, once you get the payoffs, it's always, like, it really does come together. Yeah. But that's how you do it. You have to go through some of these mm-hmm. things sometimes for the payoff. Like, they could have done, like, maybe a few more flashy things to really get you hooked into it earlier. But that's not how it works like you have like a good wrestling match especially one that's given time like the way the new japan ones work they have like this slow steady climb so when you hit this climax and they're just doing shit that you that nobody can do that no human can do you're like your fucking jaws are on the floor because of the crazy shit that's happening and you get invested and you believe in what's happening and that's what wrestlers mean by psychology and making things mean more is because the psychology is he's been working on his knee uh, he went for desperation to counter it with his own knees. He put his knees on the line and then he ended up being triumphant. He won the United States championship and it was awesome. We, the payoff was great. It was a real good, we were, we were tired from watching all this wrestling, but there was a real feel good moment at the end of that match. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it would have been like that if it was just a regular ass match on any given show. And that's why I like new Japan. I mean, it's like I said, it's not for everybody, but that's why it's as good as it is. Uh, then I guess we can move on to night two, uh, with a very different match, Toru Yano versus Minoru Suzuki for the, uh, King of Pro Wrestling trophy, uh, and a, uh, <laughs> dog cage match. <laughs> so it starts off with them just, like, doing, like, really solid wrestling, <laughs> just, like, actual, like, like, amateur-style wrestling, which was kind of weird in a match. That was positioned like this. Um, it does get weird, of course. Uh, for those who weren't familiar with Toriano, he is um, a comedy act. Uh, he even came out with a mascot, uh, what Tomakun or Tomukun? Uh, yeah, yeah, Tomokun was really <laughs> random. Um, I think Kevin Kelly on commentary <laughs> said it gave him a Sting and RoboCop flashbacks. <laughs> from a if you've never seen that if you've never seen that there's like in back in wcw it's one of my like i think about this shit all the time like you know how sometimes sometimes like some things happen in your life and you literally think about it no matter what you're doing you could be like stocking shelves at work or some shit and like you hear things in the back of your head and it's like stuff that you just remember i i hear and here comes robocop all the fucking time <laughs> because like they because there was back in wcw there was this cross promotion with robocop and he's coming out to fucking help sting and he's coming out of the freaking entryway and he's walking super slow 
like as slow as you could possibly walk. And then Jim Ross is on the commentary just going, and here comes RoboCop. Here he comes. Hey, RoboCop's on his way to help his buddy Sting. And like he's taking forever to get there. And it's just so shocking that he's putting it over like it's not fucking RoboCop coming out. Like it's just an everyday occurrence. Like he, he gets it. He's like, oh, yeah, just RoboCop. And then RoboCop like bends the bars and saves sting and they fucking pose together and shit like that it's the most insane shit ever <laughs> anyway sorry i digress yeah i, I think that's great <laughs> but uh yeah like tomokun did not do any of the uh sting uh robocop you know saving him from <laughs> his if opponents only, or anything he just yeah if that would have taken this match up to 11 um <laughs> tomokun just fucking ended up standing there with his dick in his hand <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um but uh, there was some fun spots. Suzuki just rammed the dog cage into Yano, which had like a hilarious sell for. Like he just rolled up like the whole ramp. Um, both men get cuffed <laughs> at one point, and like it's like a weird debilitation, right? Where like you know they their hands are basically useless, but they manage to work with it. And Suzuki like cut, um, chokes him with it, but before eventually uncuffing himself, um, he uh, tries to garrote uh, Yano with a dog leash on the outside um, on the ropes. That looked really. Uh, brutal and then the finish <laughs> is that uh yano is in the cage but you have to lock the cage to win and suzuki um is like over there like kind of like beating him up in the cage but yano is able to trap i think the the part of the cuff that was still on there into the cage and like slips out because he's got himself like unbound and then he just throws this young lion on suzuki and then locks the cage and Suzuki just sells this like he's angry. He eventually starts just like beating the shit out of the young lion. Uh, this yeah, this match was very much like wrestling meets a Japanese game show, and honestly, I thought it was pretty great. It it was way better than it had any business being. It exactly. really was. I couldn't believe what I was watching, and there was a really crazy part where like the whole story is is uh, Yano's poking the bear, right? He's fucking fucking with a snake that can bite him and there was this crazy part where suzuki's bent forward and yano fucking smacks him in the head like he's playing a drum and you're just like thinking like oh fuck he's fucked up and then suzuki just with his insane facial expressions looking like a fucking mad grandpa that tells you he's not mad he's just disappointed it's insane like he's gonna beat your ass <laughs> it's he so good he literally has the best facials in wrestling it's so that's yeah. okay never mind that sounded really gross <laughs> uh, he has the best facial expressions in wrestling and it's it's just watching him be so angry in that cage at the end of the match and just beating the shit out of that young lion was was a hundred percent worth the match the entire match is so good <laughs> well and then they like roll him to the back and you still hear him like screaming like in a theory yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah it was just a while i couldn't believe what i was seeing and then like and i did not expect yana i expect yana to get his comeuppance right here to just get fucked up and no nope. suzuki got locked in the cage and he got locked in there with a young lion and beat the shit out of the young lion while inside and <laughs> was screaming and just losing his mind and i was like there's gonna be hell to pay for you yano like i just i i believe you believe everything that minoru suzuki does he's awesome he's a legend and uh, i like you gotta believe that he's that yano's fucking marked for death <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and great. then the only other match we watched on this show was the main event for the world heavyweight title between Kazuchika Okada and Tetsuya Naito. Uh, one thing that stood out to me was they were doing a lot of like more like kind of like traditional wrestling stuff early on, and the crowd was like dead silent. 
And, like, in Japan, they kind of have to, because of code protocols, they can only, like, clap and whatnot. They can't, like, really make a lot, a ton of noise outside of clapping and stomping. But they didn't do any of that. They can't make any. And to me, it, like, added, like, a certain aura to this match. Like, it made it feel like it was a really big deal. Even though, like, I mean, realistically, I didn't really believe Naito had a shot because it's just too early in Okada's reign. You could tell that they were quiet because it was, they were intently watching. Mm -hmm. Because because it is a big deal because of Naito and Okada's history, and their most recent match being at a Wrestle Kingdom mm-hmm. where Naito finally won the big one when losing to Okada before, and this was like you could tell that they were watching him quiet, not because they were bored, but because this was a big deal. It was exactly, awesome. and I think it's you know we kind of talk about how important the crowd is and whatnot, but it was just interesting like how. Even when the crowd was just completely on silent, it just it had a certain aura to this match that I thought really took it up a notch, which is kind of weird because usually it's the opposite. Um, a lot of cool spots. There was this uh, kind of double DDT that uh, uh, Okada did to Naito first onto the apron where he did this goofy handstand thing that he did a few times that Brose uh, particularly enjoyed. Oh yeah, him his breakdancing is great, dude. <laughs> it, it, uh, he has a calling as a b boy, and yeah. I think uh, if wrestling doesn't work out, uh, you know, that's where it can go. <laughs> yeah, he can bump. He was just like standing on his head yeah, for most yeah. of the match. It felt like it was. It's good. Uh, but then, like right after the apron one, like Okada like held onto him and just took him right down to the floor. Where there was like a sickening thud when he hit the oh, thing. Brutal. Like they like on commentary they. They sort of sold it, like, oh, maybe his neck just went, but they just sounded so, like, not serious about it that you really couldn't take it that seriously. Um, That's, like, one of the critiques I also kind of have is, like, I think the English commentary is... The commentary is rough as fuck. It's bad. Yeah. I love that Chris Charlton brings some knowledge to the table, but I don't know what happened to Gino Gambino. They had this guy, Gino Gambino. Mm -hmm. Great voice. Sounded like a young Jesse Ventura and like... He was funny. He was color commentary. He added a lot to the booth. And Kevin Kelly sounds like such a fucking dork. <laughs> like, holy shit, And dude. having basically two play-by-play people I don't think works in this case. He sounds like somebody's dorky mom, not even a dorky dad. <laughs> he sounds like a, like, like, um, maybe not, not like a dorky parent, not like a, it, it, it's, I remember like when I was a kid, my mom would say like, Oh, are you watching the wrestling? <laughs> and I would be so cringe. <laughs> like, I would be embarrassed. And I don't know why. Like, you know, have your parents ever done that? Like, ask you about what you're doing or like, uh, you know, like, oh, you're playing the uh, the the Apex Heroes or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, and, and like, that's every time fucking Kevin Kelly talks, I feel like it's a parent saying something stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. But uh, <laughs> back to the match. Um. Again, like it's sort of like this this slow build, uh, and it really works. But like the climax is just insane. Like you get just constant like finishers, reverses into finishers. Um, Okada hits the rainmaker, drags up Naito for a second, uh, d- hits it, and then does a third before it's reversed. Um, you got uh, Destinos um, from Naito, and I think the one that uh, Okada uh, reversed uh, with one as well. Uh, you get a Stardust press from uh, Naito, which I think he hasn't done in a really long time. Well, that's an important one. So the story was, so he the 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 Stardust press has fucked him in the past because that's like his old move before his time as, uh, you know, uh, the the ungovernable one. That's what uh, Los Ingo Bernable means. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's his old old finisher and uh the story was always that he went for it because he wanted to like become triumphant as that person in the back of his mind or something or in his heart and it fucked him over and that's what caused him to lose so like him going for it is like the when he hesitated to do it he was thinking like should i even go for it and then he went for it and that who knows it could have cost him i mean he hit yeah, it. he does hit it he actually hit it he does hit it and like i got goosebumps like in this part because i've watched all of their matches and i've been following this for a while and seeing that part like th- their matches always have some kind of continuity to them even if you watch matches years apart like between two people uh, i would say the tanahashi there's a really great video from Showbuckle if you can find it uh, there's two videos. It's part one, part two, and it's about the history between Okada and Tanahashi. But it's a really good example of how they have continuity between matches and how New Japan tells stories within their matches. And this was part of that. This mm-hmm. was just the next chapter in Okada versus Naito. And when he landed it, I couldn't believe it. I thought that it was time. I thought that, I thought that Okada was about to lose the title so quickly, and Naito was going to be champion again. And I got goosebumps. It was crazy. Like the hair stood stood up on the back of my head. I was invested and he kicked out. It was crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy feeling. I love that feeling. I live for that feeling when I watch wrestling. Yeah, I felt that there was more, um, maybe I'm just kind of thinking of the Wrestle Kingdom matches, but I felt there was more near falls on actual finishers in this match than there have been in the past few New Japan matches I've watched. Where, um, like the Wrestle Kingdom... Probably because... because of their history, I would yeah, think. Yeah, maybe. Because like, I know like the Wrestle Kingdom matches, like I think like the Osprey one, like it was just kind of like Rainmaker, it's done. It mm-hmm. wasn't like this constant back and forth even after that. They often do things like this when it's about, when it's the characters that have been mm-hmm. facing each other for a long time because they have um, an idea where a wrestler can be strengthened uh, whenever they experience like a move like that. Like the first time Tanahashi and Okada had a match, uh, he Okada took Tanahashi off guard, had no idea what the Rainmaker even was and was able to beat Tanahashi because he's never taken the Rainmaker. He wasn't ready for it. But then, you know, he might kick out of it down the line and stuff like that. So they, they actually take that kind of thing into account. It's not like, you know... It's not just to kick out of a finisher to kick out of a finisher. Yep, and then and there's so much history there. Yeah, and it definitely felt like you know, like I haven't seen most of their matches, uh, but you could tell the history that was there. So like, you don't necessarily need to have like this. You don't feel obligated to go out of your way to watch every single match. I mean, certainly you'll feel rewarded for doing so, but don't feel like you can't watch this without understanding the full extent of the history. Uh, and that, of course, leads uh, to the finish. We get um, a Destino reverse into a landslide, and Okada hits the Rainmaker again and retains the title for another day. What do you think, Brose? Uh, dude, these two, uh, especially Okada, Okada's just, he's the best. He's literally the best. I mean, maybe Will Ospreay's the best, but Okada's like, the best you know what i'm saying also the best <laughs> like yeah. there's like the best a and the best b that's, and that's they're a like right there a little lightly <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah okada is just he's just he's king he's he's so good and naito is so good and they they make magic in the ring together dude they really do um and they have been for so long now so to see them because they were still they were feuding when i stopped watching you know 
and and to see them still uh, still putting on matches like this is is it's a testament to how good they are and how and how much staying power they have in wrestling. So I I I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was I thought it was well done. I thought the finish like even though if it was it was kind of finisher heavy towards the end, but what New Japan match really isn't finisher heavy towards the end. Um it was great. It was a great match. Um and yeah, that's <laughs> That's all I can really. There's there's nothing I can really nitpick, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 fun you know headstands were were great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I would nitpick those, but um, yeah, Naito sells his ass off. Okada is is just so believable, and yeah, it was it was a phenomenal match. Yes, I think that uh, caps off our reviews for this week. Unless there's any other last minute comments. Uh, last one thing. Last thing is that they're moving into. There's there was no challenger announced this time. Uh, they're moving into the New Japan Cup, and I think they're going to be headed to the anniversary show where the world child where world champion usually wrestles the junior heavyweight champion. And then we're moving into uh, the New Japan Cup, and that's where we'll get the next actual challenger for the for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So we had no no new finisher, but we're going to be covering the entire tournament because yeah. that tournament rules, and we're going to be covering every single part of it. So maybe watch along with us, guys, if you like, if you're interested in this stuff and you're watching it, and you want to kind of have better context of what we're talking about. You know, um, watch along. You know, and with that said, you know we've been getting a lot of questions, or we get we get our questions, and we like getting questions. We love that's our favorite part of the show. Um, don't be afraid to ask. Um, anything and if you're a new fan or you're somebody that doesn't know anything about wrestling and you're checking out the show but you'd like to watch or listen to the show feel free to ask if you don't know what a pop means ask if you don't know what um some of the terminology that we're using means ask if you want to ask if wrestling is real or fake and all that kind of stuff ask like seriously don't be afraid to ask we want all questions from every levels of experience as a fan uh, or otherwise, you can ask about us. You can ask about um, our, you know, our plans for the show. Like literally, like no questions are off limits for us. So, with that said, we do have some questions for this week. All right, I guess uh, I can ask the first. Uh, this was actually one of the older ones that we had in the log, but Killswitch.exe asks: some, some, Something I have wondered is how the wrestlers get their signature moves. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so it's really just about like having something that belongs to you. That is your thing that you can just get people invested in. It's really just that, like, uh, you got to think of one, you try to think of something that nobody's doing or you try to come up with something and you make it your own. So like take a Steve Austin for a minute for, for, instance you know um somebody was like oh you should use the ace crusher which is a, which is a diamond cutter it was invented by johnny ace in japan and uh they're like why don't you use the ace crusher but they changed it up why don't you sit down with it and it becomes it, that's what how it became the stunner and you just come up with ideas you try to be that's your creativity going and stuff like that but they exist because they you they need to be something that people can recognize they're watching in a match and you go for it you can you know you take people on that emotional roller coaster you watch the um 
the emotion go up and down going for your finish. And when you're a heel, people can like dread having to see it because they don't want their their heroes to win and stuff like that. They're very important. They're a very important part of of wrestling. And uh, it's just something for people to get excited about. In my opinion, the best finishers are the ones that are the best signature moves are the ones that you can just do to anybody, whether it's the fucking big show or Marco stunt and you can just <laughs> pull it out and use it on anyone and it can come out of like, you can do a lot of reversals out of it and things like that. It's just, it's, it's a vehicle to tell stories and that's exactly what it is. But I remember coming up with stuff. You're just in practice with, uh, with other wrestlers. Maybe you're in there with a veteran you're like, Hey, I need to come up with something. And then you guys brainstorm and you come up with stuff and that's really how it comes about. Sometimes people will come up with stuff that um, that will fit your gimmick. I, you know, I think Okada just recently tried, you know, incorporated the money clip and it's the million dollar dream that Ted DiBiase did. It kind of fits Okada's uh, gimmick as the Rainmaker. And uh, so it kind of fits his gimmick. So there's a lot of different ways that people come up with it, but it is a, it's, it's a staple of the business and it will always be. And then there's also like story-based um signatures that happen like if you if you look at uh seth rollins mm-hmm. he, he started using the pedigree because of his history with uh triple h during their feud and um so it just it kind of just becomes part of their their move set and um so whether whether it's like something that they've developed their whole career or something that that just kind of happens uh maybe lesser uh of the just happening thing like uh we got with uh kevin owens and the stunner but um yeah it just kind of happens and and they get that signature and people get you get known for it and uh like when when uh when ray mysterio hits a 619 into a into the into the west coast pop it's just like it's 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 something that people recognize and it uh yeah it's a it's a it's a great thing <laughs> speaking of stone cold steve austin and kevin owens well now oh. kevin owens will have a recent now Kevin Owens will have a reason to actually use the stunner because apparently the word is Steve Austin's coming out of retirement uh, to wrestle Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. And just so you guys know, we will probably end up be, we'll, we'll most likely be doing a special episode for WrestleMania only. So WrestleMania weekend is going to be really big mm-hmm. for us. So we're going to like, we're going to be covering a lot of stuff because WrestleMania weekend is huge for wrestling. Oh yeah. Um, especially the independence and WrestleMania itself, but we will be covering WrestleMania. I'm sure you guys want us to do that. So we are going to cover WrestleMania. So be ready for that. But I think it's really weird that like Brian Kendrick gets signed. Shit comes or, or gets, gets a, yeah, I get, I don't know if he was signed yeah, or I think what, it was one time but, time. uh, he gets he got brought in and then all this shit comes up and he gets canceled and stuff like that which for good reason but like steve austin's like oh he's back but like nobody cares that he used to beat the shit out of his wife and stuff yeah right so (laughs) it's like people pick and choose and if it's one of their heroes and oh they can't do anything wrong and shit like that yeah exactly (laughs) you want to take the you want to introduce the next question mr brose uh surely from uh dylan we have uh, why the mid two thousands to early two thousands era was extremely underappreciated compared to what we have now in WWE. Um, I I honestly don't think it was too underappreciated to be honest with you because we had yeah it was it was there was a lot of cringe there was a lot of uh, celebrity influence and just just kind of 
kind of cringy wrestling, but we also had the beginning of a lot of really, really good wrestlers, uh, like the Daniel Bryans or the, um, well, Brian Danielson's, well, that, but well, he would have been that wasn't even WWE. WWE. Yeah. So, yeah. well, it wasn't. That was too early. Well, early for 2010s that. is like, when the yeah, cutoff. Is. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That was Fair literally enough. his um, entire rise, right? Yeah, it was like the early 2010s. Yeah. Um, he had like the whole the whole NXT when it was like game show type shit. Um, Fuck, let's not defend which, that. <laughs> yeah. No. <nah. laughs> but um. There was a lot of cringe back then, but it, there were still some really great wrestlers that didn't get the attention that they deserved because the product was in such a, a poor, uh, just a poor state. Um, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. I always, I always, I still watch wrestling back then. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think like another thing was like, it's, it's not necessarily underappreciated. In fact, they had better ratings back then. Mm-hmm. The thing, the thing, and WWE makes more money now than they did then, but they definitely had better ratings and it's dropped off. Uh, I mean, cord cutting is a thing. Streaming is a thing. Uh, piracy is probably at an all time high and, but they're still making a lot of money. Like it's still translating into money for them, but it's, it, they also chased off their audience and they had no competition. So they put out a lot of shit. And it's dropped over the years and stuff like that. Uh, the mid two thousands, like there were other alternative stuff coming up too. Like it was, it didn't pop off huge, but there were things like Ring of Honor and stuff to watch, and and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, and um, it the early twenty tens is when or twenty twins is whenever people started being able to watch like New Japan, and and now it's like crazier than ever. So I don't think that. I think people are appreciate that wrestling as a whole is stronger than it's ever been uh, as compared to back then. It was just, it's just better to watch all that stuff. I think, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to say. Like, I don't think that it's really underappreciated. I think that, I think that people actually liked WWE more back then than they do now. It's really bad now. So well, and it's, it's kind of weird. I was thinking about this, um, it was kind of related to um, some stuff that happened in the chamber, but I guess um, the one thing we did watch was that Madcap Moss botch, um, the really brutal <laughs> thing where he lands on his head. Um, but I saw there was, I think it was someone on Reddit where they were like talking about how, um, oh, well, this feud means that we'll get like Drew McIntyre versus Corbin at Mania, and that means I'm totally in for it. And I was just like, holy crap, this is, they've who, driven off so much. Exactly. They've driven off so much of their audience that, like, the people who are, like, left are, like, the people who are actually fans of, like, Baron Corbin <laughs> and stuff like that. Or, like, yeah, they're excited about Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. Who the fuck wants to see that? For and I guess there's they obviously no people that do. Oh, my God. Nobody wants to fucking see that. I, know, I, I don't, as a wrestling fan, want to see that. I just want to know who these fucking people are. Like... Oh my god, dude! <laughs> fucking, I mean, Drew McIntyre is awesome, but why wasted on Baron fucking Corbin? Looks like a Chili's waiter. Like <laughs> he fucking sucks. He's terrible. <laughs> oh my, he is the <laughs> he's the fucking drizzling shits, and people want. Oh, I can't wait to see that. What the fuck do you want to see? Like who's like? Are you who can be that brainwashed? To fucking want to see Drew McIntyre versus Baron Shitty Corbin. Holy fuck. 
<laughs> like I need to know. Well, that's like my point though. Is like it's like the, the the content now. Like I don't. I think the only people who appreciate it are like just these diehards. The I stand at WWE crowd who is just. I, I don't know. I, I I really don't know. WWE continues to make a difference. I can't decide if our title <laughs> this week should be. I, I, I can't under I don't know if our title should be Monster Pop continues to make a difference or or if it should be eh, I don't like it. Yeah, I, don't I, think, like it. I, I can't decide. First, I think the first one to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little oh bit of a meta God. discussion. <laughs> Straight up. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'll just put it this way. Wrestling is way better now than it, it's ever been and there Not are we WWE. are missing yeah not in wwe though is specifically what your question is so Mm. yeah yeah so uh ex synth asks dx or nwo (laughs) um i say nwo i think they had a more of a cultural impact on just just period bigger impact on wrestling bigger cultural impact dx was awesome and i remember having like the little vhs as like a kid and i think they re-released it as a dvd now or in the, they might have even put it on the network but it's all censored but dude i had that vhs and like there's tits there's it's uncensored <laughs> it's and they they cut so much out of that that new one but yeah they're going around like getting chicks to flash them and like taking their balls out and fucking jumping around it was like jackass it was just like jackass and they were peeing on like i remember they peed on the doa's bikes like their motorcycles and like it's just showing everything it's crazy it's crazy and then like yeah the language was there there was no beeps and everything and they really re-released that shit i don't i wonder if who else is out there that's seen that shit just just hanging just going to the mall and like getting chicks to show their titties and stuff it's crazy <laughs> That's kind of why I was always a, a DX person. I just like the uh, the absolute insanity of it. <laughs> just just cursing and and boobs and just just it was it was just my type of uh, content yeah. at the time, I guess. Um, I will say I I liked both as a kid, but just NWO yeah. was just a bigger impact. That's all. Yeah, I liked both. Um, I mean, I didn't watch. I mean, I wasn't old enough to necessarily watch them as a kid. I would have been like two or something uh, when they were when they both <laughs> peaked. Um, so probably wouldn't have had a good understanding if I was watching. But uh, I think I'm definitely. I, I'm probably more of an NWO guy. I think um, just like their their cultural impact and whatnot. I think was a little bit bigger. I think some of their stuff. I mean, aside from you know, just kind of we can talk about how it like kind of ran rampant in the promotion. Maybe well, it wasn't NWO the best, had. But, NWO had Virgil, so yeah, dude, Virgil wins. It, they win, He's so NWO sauce, wins. Dude. He's got the meat Virgil. sauce. So. <laughs> the meat sauce. <laughs> have you ever seen like Virgil's Twitter? It's fucking insane. It's... I have a funny fucking story about Virgil. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I will tell the story, but go no, ahead. Tell the story. I, I was just gonna say his dude, Twitter's great. <laughs> I forgot to fucking. I can't believe I forgot about this until just this second. But I was when I was uh, first starting in wrestling, I went to a convention and there was a bunch of different wrestlers there and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I just started wrestling school. I was maybe like a month in of training and stuff at Lance's school. And uh, I was just like meeting everybody. And like, you know, that meme, that that picture of like Virgil's table and he's sitting by himself and Mm -hmm. it said wrestling superstar Virgil and he's by himself. 
that was real. I fucking saw that shit with my own eyes. It was at this place. What convention? It was it was at like a comic convention, I think. Um probably some local comic con or something. Yeah, here in Dallas. I can't remember which one it was, but it was it could have been Wizard it might have been Wizard World. I can't re- no, I don't remember. I don't remember, but Anyways, it was there, and I saw it, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Virgil because I want to ask him some advice or something. He has some advice for me because I was very much like somebody that wanted to ask, pick anybody's brain and kind of learn about stuff. And so I went up to Virgil, and he was just like real depressed. He was no energy, and he goes, he goes, don't become a wrestler, man. He goes, don't become a wrestler. That's why I don't go back to WWE. He goes, they don't got no insurance. They don't have no insurance. And I'm like, insurance? And I was like, I like. I know what he means now, but like he was just saying that. And he goes, this business, it'll break your heart. He goes, they'll, I've cried. He goes, they'll make you cry. I've, it'll cry. It'll, they'll make you cry there. And I was just really, I was like, oh my God. Okay. Like he was just really like a downer about it and stuff like that. And then he goes, he goes, look, I need to make a phone call. Can I borrow your phone? And I was like, well, I got to get back to work. Cause uh, I remember cause I was, I was working at the convention. I remember I was working, I was working at a comic book shop and uh, Lone Star Comics, uh, or actually, they changed their name now. Oh my God, what is it called? Uh, my friend Aaron will hate me for forgetting the name, but they were, uh, they used to be, it's in Mesquite. It's a comic shop in Mesquite. It's badass. Um, they're awesome. Check them out. But they're, uh, I was working for them and I went over to talk to Virgil and he was like, he was like, can I use your phone, man? Can I use your phone? And I was like, okay, sure. And I gave him my cell phone. And I was standing there waiting and I'm supposed to be going back to my our booth. And uh, he was like, he was just like talking on the phone and just wouldn't give me my phone back. And like several minutes were going by and he was just talking on my phone. And I was like, hey, man, I need to get back to work. Uh, you know, if I can get my phone back and stuff like that. He's like, hold on, hold on one minute. Hold on one minute. I was like, all right. And I just standing there and he's just using my phone. And like, I'm just like waiting and waiting and looking at the ground and waiting and he's talking on the phone. I'm like, dude, I don't know what kind of business you have to take care of, but I need my phone back. <laughs> and so finally he gave me my phone back, dude. And it was almost dead because he was using it so much. I like from that story too, is that he's like, I won't go back to WWE because of like insurance. So like making it seem like he's turning them down. It's like, yeah, I, I guarantee <laughs> they did not want him back. <laughs> Well, meanwhile, they did bring him back for a little while to work with Ted DiBiase Jr. Yeah, straight up. (laughs) He's like, they ain't got no insurance. They ain't got no insurance. Who knows? Maybe they made a big offer to him. Who knows? You never know, I guess. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, You want to introduce the next question, Mr. Mr., uh, PhD? Sure. Um, All right. LuchaBear777 asks... Who's one star who should have been a, ma- a main eventer, uh, but shit just didn't work out? For me, he lists uh, Nathan Jones and Matt Morgan. Oh, boy. I can tell you one thing right now. It's not Nathan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was the shits. <laughs> he looked like a robot. He couldn't move. He was big, and he looked good, but he was awful. You remember that really bad match at WrestleMania they had? I don't remember. Where he had at to all, do the to kick. Honest. Yeah, he had to do like a little kick and stuff. He's like a apparently he was like a legit prison guy. Oh my god! And like, uh, was, I don't uh, remember. He was like, ar- he was arrested for like armed robbery in Australia. Yeah, something like that. 
Oh, he was he was terrible. Matt Morgan, you could say that he was a main eventer because he made it to the main event in uh, in uh, Impact Wrestling, and he wasn't bad. Um, what was he? The Blueprint, Matt Morgan. Yeah, yeah, and that wasn't too bad. He was he was okay. So you could argue that he actually did make it to the main event. Uh, I think he was even world champion there for a little while. Um, I don't think he, as far as WWE goes, he wasn't ready. He was really young and just wasn't ready. For, uh, for the big time I think and he honed his skills and got better and impact I think he'd probably say the same thing but Nathan Jones he was never going to become a star or a main eventer ever um, but as far as like what what re- main eventer sh- like should have been like whew, that's a tough one man Damian Sandow if we're talking about WWE um, Miro hmm like god cesaro yeah that was the one i was thinking the big like one. yeah that's probably the biggest one right there cesaro should be should have been that's the kind of guy that you can put a world championship on and he can be uh he could probably be world champion for like three years or some shit like he's that good um, yeah uh for me um i would add um Finn Balor or Prince Devitt to the conversation. I know in uh, New Japan that was like the plan eventually, but like he got signed in WWE before that. I guess, you know, like I guess he was the main event of NXT. I don't know how much that really counts. Um, who is who, who is this? I'm sorry. Finn Balor or Prince Devitt. Oh, yeah, there's one, yeah. Um, but like just on the main roster, like the, he, you know, if it wasn't for that injury, like I don't know what would have happened, but like ever since he came back on the main roster, they've never treated him um remotely like a main eventer um they always teased out like the pseudo like bullet club with the balor club thing but he never got like a group to go with it so it was just like this weird thing like oh this is just a subsection of the wwe universe and like who cares um they just never um gave him the strap to do it but i mean yeah everyone you listed also totally snubbed my my main guy uh was sean o'hare i think Mm. he was he looked really cool. He had like a really good look about him, and uh, the whole devil's advocate advocate thing that they started with him that never really yeah. got a payoff. Uh, I think that could have been uh, kind of main event status. And they also like they teamed up with Roddy Piper. Yeah, I was gonna and, say. Like, I remember a, that. Yeah, Piper's a hell of a mouthpiece. So like, even if he wasn't good with the with the promos and stuff, like with Piper, I think they could have they could have taken that and ran with it and could have made a lot of money off that guy. He was really cool. Um, but then, you know, I, I also think, you know, uh, Cesaro, um, I, I feel like Devitt kind of, uh, uh, Balor, he had like, like his run in NXT was so like good. He, had, he was having stellar matches. Yeah. I was everyone. torn on whether or not that counted. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I guess it, I, I don't know if I would count it or not, but, it, uh, Joe, Samoa Joe also, I think, could have done a lot more on the main roster. Um, he at least got runs elsewhere. Yeah. Bobby Roode, but, but he has his TNA run. Uh, just a lot of a lot of missed opportunities by WWE to capitalize on stars. Like, huge stars. On literally were... anyone but Roman Reigns or John Cena. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I, I would say that... that anyone that was in the like if you're like a main eventer like driving a company i think that counts like that that means you're a main main event level tower talent it whether 
whether that's recognized by WWE or the biggest companies, that's whatever. Yeah. Like I would consider Nick Gage a main eventer right now, or um, I, I consider Samoa Joe a main eventer. He was at the top of Impact. Mm-hmm. He was at the top of Ring of Honor. He mm-hmm. was Ring of Honor world champion for two whole years. Yeah. Um, I think like I totally think that if we're if we're here to respect all wrestling, then we then I respect placements in most other companies. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. so. So I feel so. So Finn Balor counts for sure. He's he was the main eventer, but yeah, there were there were there's definitely there. Man, the list could be. We could talk all day about that stuff, yeah. like about who could have made it, who could have been big, and imagine if guys like Samoa Joe or Brian Danielson were brought up sooner, like mm. I wouldn't actually utilize properly, or that too. Yeah, I, I like I I was not. One of the reasons why I didn't really enjoy wrestling in the in the early two thousands was because um, they weren't bringing in guys that are really great. They were pushing guys like Batista or like just these muscle heads, these dude bro looking guys, these cookie cutter people, and I didn't like that stuff. Ex football players and guys that just weren't really that great. And then so I found ring of honor a friend my friend davy introduced me to ring of honor and i saw people like samoa joe and brian danielson and homicide and colt cabana and cm punk and i saw all these guys and i'm like holy fuck why aren't these guys being used by wwe like th- it's insane but they didn't want smaller guys they didn't want guys that didn't look like fucking roid heads they didn't want like guys that didn't have like fucking you know they they just didn't want those kinds of wrestlers and i've always resented that like i hated that kind of stuff well and it's almost worse now because you know back then you had to like find roh right and it wasn't like necessarily that easy right it was kind of word of mouth type things and nope. tapes but it was now, pretty easy to find it no, was pretty easy fair, to find. but like you you wouldn't have found it without be, being getting introduced sure is my point enough. but now like they literally like that's the whole point of nxt and they get in a lot of these like people who would have been signed at roh or were signed at mm-hmm. roh and stuff like that so like they have the people and it's just like when they take them up and elevate them, they just do nothing with them or they bury them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's almost worse now where it's like you because it's like more directly. It's like, yeah, like, you know, these people are out there. You see them and you just choose to, like, not use them right. Yeah, there's a one more question I wanted to take, if that's OK. Yeah, I think this is probably good for the wrap up. OK. I like this question. Ask Monster Pop in terms of Reign of Terror. Who did, who had it worse, Triple H or Jeff Jarrett? I really like that question. I have a lot to say, but I'll let you guys go first. Um. So I, I I'm not a hundred percent familiar with uh, Jeff Jarrett's Reign of Terror. I know that I know that it, it was a lot, and he wore the title a lot, and he was kind of like booking himself a lot, <laughs> and um. But I'm much more familiar with uh, Triple H's uh, Reign of Terror. What was it like? Two thousand and two through three, I think, two, or, three, or yeah. through five, I think. Is two thousand three through two thousand five, when like Batista finally took it off of him, took the belt off of him, and uh, yeah, it was just it, Raw was just something that didn't pique my interest because it was always the Triple H show. So I was I to find an alternative went to SmackDown, and I watched a lot of SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as far as Jeff Jarrett, I just I just knew that he he was kind of synonymous with the uh, with the NWA title for a very long time, and um, I feel like tr- uh, maybe Jarrett's was worse because I feel like it was it longer. I feel like it was longer. 
than than like the three years that uh that Triple H was uh champ on and off for ever. Um but yeah, I, I'm I'm much more familiar with with Triple H coming out with the world heavyweight championship around his waist and beating everyone up and ruining Kane's intercontinental title uh uh run. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mean for me like I mean I, I, I have perhaps a slightly more charitable view of Triple H, but that being said, there's some of those feuds during the Reign of Terror that, like, just aren't inexcusable. I mean, bringing up Kane, you have the infamous, you know, angle with the, you know, raping the mannequin in the coffin or whatever. Um, just all that stuff. What was I wouldn't that? I wouldn't put a lot of that on Triple H, though. Fair that's enough. All, that's that's going to be Vince McMahon and the booking. Fair enough, but he, he does... He didn't have the, the power. Rain. Yeah, it, it does taint the rain, and it doesn't paint... I mean, it doesn't. Um, I don't. I, I just don't put it on his shoulders. I think a lot of like we remember it as something being very negative, but I also don't can't think of who else would have been better as champion at the time. I think that you could make an argument that Kane could have been champion for a bit sure. there. Uh, there are some people that maybe could seem buried, but I didn't want somebody like Batista as champion. He sucks, and like, and that's what you that's got. The thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's the thing. It's I don't, I don't want those. I didn't want those guys to be champion. I didn't, I didn't like where WWE was going with these like musclehead, you know, ex football players or bodybuilders. I didn't like where it was going, or a John Cena, or where it ended up. You know, I don't, I didn't like it. And Triple H is a very good old school wrestler. And I look back on that reign and I'm like, I'm kind of glad in some of these spots, Triple H was champion that entire time. Yeah, I think And they call it, the reign of terror really came from the shitty booking as mm-hmm. as opposed to being Triple H's reign of terror. And I kind of feel that way about Jeff Jarrett's um, reign of terror. I don't think it, like, I look back on Jeff Jarrett and realize how good he was. Like, as a more mature fan, I realize now how good he actually was. I don't remember... A lot of times where Jeff Jarrett won, it felt like he buried somebody new, but he was bringing people up. Like he, he was doing stuff for like uh, AJ Styles coming up and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But Jarrett kind of did it out of necessity. They were building a new company, and it was he a bad was caring. impression though because it was yeah. his company. It was yeah, and it it was his company, and I think that it's way more complicated than that. I think like. He he had to carry the company at the time. And this was before they had somebody like Christian Cage. This is like maybe you could say, oh, well, they had like a Scott Hall or something like that. Well, if Scott Hall would ever show up when he wasn't fucking drunk or something, like then maybe, yeah, it could have been Scott Hall. But Jeff Jarrett did it out of necessity because he could trust Jeff Jarrett because it's him. Um, he was actually very good. And he actually cared about building people. Um, ultimately, it, it just took time. It really just took time. And I think that his reign of terror was just out of, out of necessity. And I look back on those days and I'm like, Jeff Jarrett was really good. And uh, Triple H, really good. And I think that was just really his shitty booking. So as far as the worst, I'd say it was WWE because they were just doing way more like just bad stuff. TNA was really good at the time, despite all that stuff. Um because we still got really good shit in the company. As much as he was booking himself as champion, he was also booking Kurt Angle versus Samoa fucking Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, he was also bringing in people like Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, guys from the Indies. Like he, sh- like they should have been. They were building up guys. CM Punk. He- they brought in CM Punk, Raven. They were bringing in like good fucking wrestlers. Sanjay Dutt. 
you know they had they had innovative ideas not just with the with the um six-sided ring but they had innovative ideas like the x division and i always thought that wwe was fucking up by doing 205 live why make it about the weight limit why not do mm. what tna is doing and make it about no limits like big guys like everyone the reason why it wasn't special is because everybody can work that cruiserweight style these days like seth rollins is doing things that those 205 guys are doing so why make it about weight limits why not have a guy like keith lee go down to two like go go down to the cruiserweight division or whatever rebranded division like an x division that they have why not have him do crazy matches with those people and get over that way and be their champion like because he does he can wrestle like that yeah they did that with samoa joe samoa joe was x division champion and that was all tna that was all like jeff jarrett shit like he came up like he's there he's an innovator and tna was innovative for that time so it's like on the surface yeah maybe it could seem like a reign of terror kind of thing but i think he made the right call in the long run um unfortunately it didn't turn out well and vince russo fucked up a lot of shit but i think jeff jarrett had it was it's 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 a really 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 fucking tough like tightrope to walk with something like that and championships like that uh and when you should lose the title and who you should put over and if they're ready and if they're not ready and things like that. So that's yeah, my take on it. Yeah. And I would like add one thing. Like, I definitely agree that I think both of them are kind of underappreciated as workers, but probably the one like, and maybe the Kane one, I mean, it was a good example, but also I think probably honestly the Booker T WrestleMania. Oh man, my God. Yeah. That the Booker was, T. Oh my God. Ugh. Like, do you think it was triple H's call to make Booker T not win that match and become champion? I like I don't, not. I really, I really hope it wasn't. I would I would really think that that's probably down to Vince and the booking and the writing and stuff Whoever like that. Whoever wrote the people like you don't get to be champion. Yeah, like <laughs> what the like yeah, just the racial overtones and then not have Booker T win the championship is fucking disgusting. And Booker T should have been champion right there straight up. Yep. So, I would I would honestly say so I would go as far as saying that uh Triple H's reign of terror was the worst and not because of triple h i agree with that i agree with that yeah so guys that's our show for this week thank you so much for sending these sending these questions in please send us in some more we need to uh to fill the queue here we love taking your questions and we love uh talking about this stuff um we really love doing this show so thank you guys so much for for listening it means a lot to us we have so much cool shit planned and uh if you don't follow us on our social media again please follow us we're five followers away from hitting 100 then we're going to give you guys a huge surprise and we can't wait to do that so special make sure you guys surprise. do that special surprise <laughs> you guys have any any closing th thoughts uh no just you know i'm excited about the future of this show and uh here's to you know hopefully uh some newfound success Thank you guys for your uh, incredible amount of support and uh, a lot of a lot of fun things in the in the future for y'all to see. <laughs> May your week have many monster pops. <sighs> <laughs>